Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Podcast Assemble, a show where you come for your rambling, geeky download. My name's Tommy, and I am delighted, as always, to be joined by my friend and co-host from across the pond. It's our resident animagus of the pod, DL. How are you, mate? I'm good, dude. I'm just, you know, swimming around in my penguin life as an animagus. <laughs> you know that's what I'd be. <laughs> penguin animagus. I love it. So I mean, that's like, what you it's a pretty. That was my next question. Dire life as a penguin, you know. You basically really, yeah. You basically like trek across the Antarctic to protect your young. Then, like to eat, you have to go in the water and risk death by many different outcomes. But you know, I'm not but afraid. You'd be dressed to impress all the time. Yeah, they. You know, it's a big upside there with the penguins. Always tuxedo <laughs> ready. Always black tie ready. I'm glad you had something to go though, because that was literally my next question. <laughs> yeah, of course, like, dude. What do you mean? You know me. <laughs> What's your Adam Vegas? I'd be like, I'd just be like a fish. Yeah, we <laughs> we share a Netflix <laughs> account, like, by the way. We share a Netflix account, as as I think listeners would know. And uh, we we have this ongoing prank where like we just change each other's what are they called icons for each profile, profile picture. And I think yeah. the first one you change it to because of this penguin story, which I'm not sharing on air is uh <laughs> or not on air on recording is uh you just made me a penguin for a while for a while <laughs> just a penguin. well there was a story behind it wasn't there i yeah. think you've shared this on a pod yeah, i think before, already, which i yeah. find hilarious yeah it's it's funny though because that was actually all started by my partner like she just dove straight in she was like let's do it I was yeah. like, all right, i guess we're doing this yeah totally <laughs> how are you feeling by the way how are you uh how are you rocking up simply put it feels like a knife in my throat every time i swallow but uh Great. Yeah. That sounds delightful. Luckily, I have a high pain tolerance. Um, <laughs> no, I'm getting better, but it's just slow. I've been on antibiotics for like three or four days now. So it's starting, like, it's not as bad as when it, like, right, right, right. like usually when I wake up, I'm like, Ugh, like the night just sucks and the morning is terrible, but uh, it's, it's all right today. So that's a good sign. Well, if it helps, you look like shit. So um, that that's good. <laughs> Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. <laughs> well, if it, right, but seriously, though, if, it, if it helps, I actually feel terrible. You, we were just talking about this a moment ago off air, but uh, yeah, I ended up having a few drinks yesterday. I did a fabulous charity walk, 21Ks, uh, for a very good cause for, for cancer, which I will actually link below if anyone would like to donate. You're more than welcome to. We would love you to. We don't have a Patreon, so this this could be your time to shine, <laughs> listeners. Uh, but yeah, we um we did that. So I was telling this before, like I am in bits today. I First of all, I played like football futsal on thursday yeah we had a a, we had a work final and then i had this 21k walk the day after which i was already a bit injured for based on the fact that i'd been kicked around the day before and then and then we went out for drinks afterwards so today i feel delightful so if my voice is a little raspy dear listeners you you know why yeah that's my standard performance no one's gonna notice they're gonna be like just gonna think you're me um i'm always raspy we've just swapped over for one week yeah Exactly. Hey guys, if you want to hear us rambling about our weeks, feel free to stick around. There will be time codes in the description, as always, and they will be shared by a friend of the show and editing genius, Mr. Matthew Bliss. And we will share Mr. Matthew Bliss's details at the end of the show. Stick around if you're a budding podcaster, because he is the man. And if you'd like, because we'd like, you can give us a five-star review on the Apple five star baby review pod wherever you view your podcast really we'll take it anywhere yeah, We're not any picky. podcast catcher of your choice Spotify Apple that's that's what we like to do hit us up with a five star it really does help wherever you want to do it it's like a like share and subscribe as you would say on YouTube which we also have but anyway DL yes what have you been up to this week 
I have been up to many, many things. Many things? Bloody hell. Because I've been sick. There's very few things to do other than wallow in your illness if you don't have some <laughs> distractions and no one likes that. Self-pity. So, yeah. Uh, Self-pity is one of the things I've been up to. No. Uh, so I did a, I think you would have noticed this because I would just send you random clips. <laughs> From this, oh, I know. From the season one of True Detective, I did a rewatch because I just, as you guys remember, watched uh, season three, and so it made me really nostalgic for the uh, the new season. And so I, in, in doing so, in prepping for the new season, I watched season one, and it's so good. It's honestly just as good on rewatch, isn't it? Not the best. better. Uh, like it has such high re- rewatch value. I was just sending all the boys like random clips from it throughout the week, <laughs> so I, I binged that. How far did you get through all the way? Yeah, I got through all the way. I mean, I started probably like on the weekend last weekend and then it took me a week. It was like an episode or two a day. That's one show that, and, and tell me how you feel about this, but that, that's one show that I liked so much that I'm going to hold off rewatching for at least like five to like 10 years because I want it to have that same impact when I watch it again. It will. I think it like the point is the dialogue is just so funny and oh, yeah. it's like so it's so long-winded and a lot of times you just forget about moments like yeah okay but what i'll say is uh i, I for me it has been 10 years i think i watched it when oh. it premiered in, to, in 2014 holy and, shit is um, it that old yeah i was just it's oh so my good God. it's so fucking good you're giving me a midlife crisis right now dude. yeah <laughs> i didn't realize my bad. it was 10 years old you're a decade older <laughs> one of the big reasons why though i think it's understated why it's so good is it had the same director for the entirety of the season. Oh. So like the writer, Nick Palaziano or something, gets a lot of the credit. He's not on the se- fourth season, by the way. I think Netflix or someone snatched him up. But the reason it gets a lot of the, he gets a lot of the credit, but a big part of it was, I think, the director's tone and just like the fact that you had the right. same director for the entire season, which does not happen often in television. Not in TV shows. No. We learned that from Game of Thrones and the fact that it couldn't keep a consistent tone throughout most of its final two or three seasons. Yeah, I mean, they had different well, directors. That's super interesting. <laughs> different directors the whole time. I think that was, there was bigger things going on there. But uh, yeah, no, it, it, was, it was good. <laughs> we have been continuing our reverse rewatch of the Mission Impossible franchise. Oh, now, for anyone who hasn't caught up on the last couple of episodes, effectively, we watched the new one, Dead Reckoning, me and my partner. And yeah, we have been going backwards through Mission Impossible (laughs) movies for no apparent reason. So they're gradually getting worse, but we're still in the good ones. So this week we are up to Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Now, I don't know if you remember Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, DL. I don't. I don't really. Honestly, (laughs) I honestly, I don't know why you'd put yourself through that. I like these early, these later right. ones. These later ones are great. They bring back a lot of cool stuff like Ethan Hunt on a motorbike. Oh, yes. You know, who doesn't like that? Motorbike frontal spins. <laughs> it's not quite John Woo, yeah. but it also, it, it does introduce a lot of very cool characters. So, for example, and I'm forgetting names here, Rebecca Ferguson's Isla Faust. Isla Faust? Ilsa Faust? Ilsa Faust, that's right. Introducing that <laughs> character, who I actually really like as like a counterpart to Tom Cruise. I think she's really great. And she starts off as this sort of covert spy who you're not quite sure whether she's on his side or not on his side, even though she's helping. But she's also then trying to assassinate like a Norwegian diplomat of some description. It's a really cool character. And I really like what they did with that. Yeah. Like, don't know what else to say, but I'm glad you liked it because somebody's (laughs) got to like these movies. They spend a bunch on them. They put them out. They market them. They put them out every three years. Like somebody's got to go. So I'm glad they appeal to you. This has got one of those things that makes me really laugh about Hollywood. It's got a scene where they have a car chase with Tom Cruise and Simon Pegg in a car. And this is 
honestly, I'm not sure if this is how Americans actually feel. You tell me, actually feel about driving a car. They have this thing where they, they're going at super high speed and they go off a big ledge and the car slams into the floor and they both would basically get their heads torn off. But in the film, because Tom Cruise tells Benji to put on his seatbelt, they both survive and then can just carry on with life. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, is that what Americans think seatbelts you know, That's do? what we think, yeah. We invented the car, actually, and we're like, all right, seatbelts are, you know, basically a get-out-of-jail-free card. Yeah, drive as fast as you want. Oh, great. Throw good. your car off a cliff. All good. Seatbelt <laughs> on, thumbs up. Yeah. Uh, well, this is the one, anyway, where Tom Cruise does the, the famous hanging onto the side of an airplane stunt. I really like that. That's so well done. Dude, that would be frightening. He's obviously strapped in. It would be terrifying yeah yeah he is they you know they cgi out a lot of the harnesses and stuff but like apparently they had to have like full eye covering like contact lenses because yeah. of obviously all the dust and shit that was flying at him terrifying how far how far did he fly i wonder um pretty far i mean if you actually watch the film a lot of it's in there so and they had to do it multiple times did you see the uh the thing about matt damon how he just like the interview with him where he's like yeah talking to tom cruise you know he's super intense and he was like, uh, something like, so how do you, you know, Tom, why do you do this? Right. And he's just like, or how do you pull this off? He's like, well, I get a stunt director. I tell them what I want to do. And then when they tell me it's too dangerous, I get a new stunt director. Like he just like fires the people that are like, no, we can't do it until someone says yes. It's pretty wild. Oh, amazing. Classic Tom Cruise. That is like, uh, if there is a quintessential Tom Cruise quote, that has to be it. <laughs> Yeah, he, Matt Damon does a much better impression. I mean, he's an actor, so go find it. He's, there's a couple of clips of him talking well, you'd about hope, it. Well, you'd hope he'd be good at that. What else have you been up to, buddy? I, uh, as you would know, when we went and picked up the mic stuff, because I didn't want to contaminate Tommy with my illness. Very kind. You gave me The Witcher 3 so I could download it on the PS5 ah. and play the new edition, which has, you know, some new quests, some new updates, some, you know, just basically looks better, plays better. The part I didn't realize is you have to download the PlayStation 5 version. So I basically got through the first hour and a half of the game, maybe two hours, where you're in that little tut tutorial area, right? Tutorial area, uh, where you're like trying to kill the griffin. What did you say? Tutorial? Tutorial. Tutorial area. <laughs> and it's like, a, it's a long tutorial. Oh, you never live in that one. Tutorial. Down. It's a long tutorial. Tutorial. <laughs> <laughs> it's like at least three hours if you do all of it. And I'm like, man, like there's a couple changes, but like this doesn't really feel that different. And then I realized I had to download the PS5 version to get like 90% of the new shit. Right, right. And I had been playing the PS4 version. Oh. So I had to re-download it and then play it all again. So I'm very over the, I just caught back up to where I was. Oh, I'm so over the intro <laughs> section, which I've now played at least five times because I played this game before. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure I've told you this before. I, I played... A certain amount of quite, well, I thought what was quite a lot of that game, a good like 10 hours or whatever. And I went back to the UK last year for, you know, when, when my dad was in well and yeah. stuff. And I got it for the Switch and I was playing because it was like something to do. I didn't have my PlayStation there. Yeah. I didn't have a lot of other stuff. We've definitely talked about this before. And I played it for the full three months and I only just got to the point where I got to when I left off when I was leaving Australia before I got back and I was like, I don't. I don't care about this anymore. Dude, it, it is <laughs> this is too it much. Is such a fun game though. I'm I'm very into it. And the updates are very good. It makes the combat way more fun, more modern. Um Right. And it, it does look a lot better. I, I really do like it. It's it's they, they made changes to like you can basically but what's the combat? How's the combat different? Well it's more like behind the shoulder now. You know how when you would fight it would like kind of zoom out in these weird ways? The entire oh. they made it so it's just close up behind the camera. 
So like, or behind the shoulder. So it's more like modern in that way. And like the battles are more like Resi. Yeah. Or like Final Fantasy, like, you know, Final Fantasy, like, except for the big boss battles, you kind of have this behind the it's, it's yeah. closer than that. It's 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 more okay. like Resident Evil view. But the other part of it is like you can um, do signs like, you know, the magic stuff quickly, whereas before you had to go into this like slow oh, yeah. menu. And so it's more it is more like uh, Final yeah. Fantasy, the newest one in that way, where it's like the magic is at the, like it's way quicker. You can use it quickly. It's less rule based. Right, right, right. Or like time based, like time would slow down and you would change your sign. Now you can do that with like a button press mid combat. So it's a lot oh, more. The combat's more fun. Um, I really, I really like it. Ah, uh, de- that sounds great. Actually, maybe I'll maybe I'll give that a go at some point because the combat was one of the things that I didn't love about that yeah. game. Something a bit more free flowing and a bit more actiony would be. Yeah, there, I mean it's still nuanced, but it's it's better, I think. And the uh, last bit I'd say is there's like two expansions that are apparently better than the game that I just never played so I'm pretty excited to play those too is that the Blood and Wine one? yeah there's two there's like Hearts of Stone and Blood and Wine yeah mm, interesting yeah. interesting interesting I don't know if I yeah I don't know if I have the patience to, <laughs> to get all the way through it to get to them but maybe I'll try I, I say this but maybe I'll get like yeah because you have to get to like level 30 to even play those so like I say this, but by the time I get there, maybe I'll take oh, a, a, a break and be like, oh, I'm done. <laughs> so, we'll yeah, see. it's so hard to upgrade your character in those games as well. I literally like I got on there and I was like, you know, the thing the thing I always do with those types of games is I would like to try and uh, like make my character significantly better so that when I'm playing through the story, it's almost a bit easier. So I flow through the story. I'd rather grind first, then do the story grind story but you can't do that in these you games can, because you get so little exp you, can. Like, you just have point? to change the leveling like you have to change it to auto scale but like your point the nate i guess the they don't want you to do that in this like the actual main story like right leveling is like way lower than some of the side stuff does that make sense so they okay. kind of want you to like finish the main story before you finish all the side quests i think is like how they envision it um that's interesting that's weird as well anyway so i was doing that what else? What else, man? What are you doing? I'll tell you one other thing I got up to. We talked about this very briefly last week. A new sort of series of shows on Netflix called Unknown. I think you talked about one briefly, and I caught up with one called The Lost Pyramid. So super interesting. Yep. Um, about an Egyptian archaeologist who, well, it, it's very actually it's very interesting how it starts. It is effectively saying that archaeology through the years has been almost exclusively white British men, if you've noticed that. So if you ever watch any of the documentaries about like archaeological digs in Egypt or anywhere in the world, it is almost exclusively these, you know, middle class white people, not people from where they are digging. Yeah. And it sort of puts this weird light on archaeology and a lot of like you've probably heard the jokes that the British Museum is full of stuff they've stolen, which it is, the British History Museum. And this guy, he's this Egyptian archaeologist, and he wants to find this lost tomb of one of the ancient, ancient Egyptian kings, yeah. pharaohs, to bring a bit of his culture back to you know Egypt and prove that it's not just these white dudes who can go off and do this. And it's really interesting that he thinks he's found this one specific area where this pyramid might be located, and they are effectively taking their time excavating it carefully but they've got like a really short time window before the winds come back but it suffers from that thing we talked about like either last week or last or the week before i think it was last week yeah yeah netflix has got this annoying habit of doing documentaries on unfinished stories so like they i got to the end of it and they hadn't finished the whole story i was like 
I want to know how this ends. I don't want to just know. I mean, that's always like the... This guy's out there. That's always the hard part about a documentary, though, I think, as well, is like... Yeah. They're hit or miss because of that. Like, you can... You, you know, you have to film it real time for it to be a documentary. And if you're doing that real time, you actually don't know how it ends when you're filming it. So... It's kind oh, of totally a hundred percent, but like at least wait until there is some sort of no, logical conclusion. No content, <laughs> content, content, Thomas. Content, content, content. Apologies. Yeah. Like, what, what, what do I say? Yeah. How did, how did you feel about like <laughs> you know being a Graham Hancock fan? We talked about this about last, a bit last week and watching this. Do you feel that there is a level of I guess uh, bias or I guess kind of insensitivity to new ideas coming from the Egyptian? archaeologists that you kind of watch in that in that documentary or do you think that that's interesting you know maybe overstated or not, not relevant i don't think i th- i don't think in this one it has a lot of focus on that i think it does a really good job of focusing on the fact that this is an egyptian archaeologist who a lot of their history has been you know overrun by like i say middle class white people stealing their treasures to be honest with you and their wins so it sort of steers around that a little bit and it doesn't dive too close to it. But the timeframes of this Egyptian pharaoh suggest that it's pretty old. So yeah, I guess there's some hints towards that type of thing, but doesn't really get too close. It doesn't to touch it. on like, yeah, some of the, okay, fair enough. It's no. probably more in the details than no. the, the wider sphere. Yeah, I think it's more, I think it's more about, you know, the white hero-ness of British culture. Oh, <laughs> joy. Well, I mean, sort of saying, yeah, but like, you know, he's trying to he, he's trying to be the first to have his name recognized as being an Egyptian archaeologist finding this tomb, which I, I you know what? I think it's really awesome. And I like that. And, I, and yeah. it's I like the fact that Netflix is shining a light on that, but also at the same time, shining a light on the fact that, you know, as a white culture, we have appropriated a lot of things we probably shouldn't have over a long yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough, man. Anyway, tell me your final thing you've been up to this week, dear. Uh, I'm going to debate between two, and I'm going to go with the on and off of the Amber Heard Johnny Depp Netflix documentary because oh, my partner was watching that. I mean, it was it is it is, it is like kind of popcorn shit, right? Like you feel guilty. You're like, why do I want to watch this? And yeah. as you're watching it, you're just like so intrigued. Um, I don't. I, I can't tell you why. I think it's mainly because you're like, how could something get so <laughs> toxic that this is where it ends up? And it's like fascinating, you know, to watch like watch that. Um, yeah, but interesting. He, he literally is a real life Jack Sparrow. <laughs> like he just is. <laughs> he literally is. Like he, he's crazy. <laughs> he's wild. I don't. I can't believe it. Anyway, I, I you know, if you want to watch it, it's definitely entertaining. Gail put it on. You it. reckon? Okay, all right. Yeah. So you'd recommend? I, I mean, like as like a background thing where you're just like not having to sure. focus. Like it, you can't really beat it. Yeah, I really, I really like when how he changed the public's perception of him within those hearings. And he would just sort of sit there and just be the politest pirate you've ever seen. Yeah, but still a pirate. <laughs> he he looks like a pirate. Yeah. I mean, like, for how how old is he? Oh, he's 50s now. He's definitely 50s by now. For how old he is and the amount of, like, drugs he's definitely done. <laughs> um. Yeah, he, what, so 1963. So he oh, wow, is yeah. at least, 60. yeah almost 60 the crazy part is for the amount of like shit he's done he still looks you know not great but not terrible <laughs> yeah i mean good on him my favorite my favorite story is about keith richards 
and he's obviously the lead guitarist from the Rolling Stones, that he basically did so many drugs that he had this like life motto of if, if he was still alive at 60, he would just go teetotal. And just like, if <laughs> like he's making a gamble with the devil. Like, if I, yeah. if I make it this far, I'll stop everything. And he did. And now he's like been completely clean for like 30 years or whatever it is. So it's pretty, That's it's pretty so awesome weird. story. Could you imagine so though? Weird. Some people can just handle it though. You are that hardcore. I, I don't know, man. Like you're that hardcore into it and you just stop cold turkey. I just think maybe you'd be like, you'd just be ready. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you'd just be like, Fuck, I'm just I wish I would have stopped this 20 years ago. <laughs> but like I kept on. You know what your, I mean? Like I, just, I think it would, just he like, probably would be. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's probably looking forward to it. His body's just like, give me some water, please. <laughs> Any kind of electrolyte. It's like yeah. gets zipped right up like a fucking vacuum cleaner. <laughs> All right. Final one from me then before we wrap, before we move on. We have finally, finally, finally managed to find five minutes. I say five minutes because it was a three and a half hour movie. We finally managed to find three and a half hours to sit down and watch <laughs> The Return of the King, the final installment <gasps> in the oh. original Lord of the Rings trilogy. And oh my God, is that a good film? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the. the it's just uh, the whole trilogy is a pretty, like, it's a masterpiece, I would say. Oh, yeah, absolutely. In terms of, like, execution. It all holds up well still, like, the way they did the special effects. Oh, um, some of them not so much. Oh, some of them I think bad. for the most part, I think for the most part, it's pretty damn good. Like, for the, the most part, it's fucking insane. cool. Oh, Balrog's amazing. The scenes with the Witch King are just insanely good. Like, the bit where she's yeah. like, but I am no man. Ugh. Loved, yeah. loved that. That's amazing. Some of the Gollum stuff doesn't hold up as well. And that really, that was a bit that I, I was really surprised by how poorly it held up. Like he, like, I know it's all CGI and it's like groundbreaking technology, but like the texture of him doesn't fit with like what's behind him. Like he's too bright. There's not enough shadow on that character when he's in scenes. Yeah, no, I get your point, but like he's still pretty good for CGI, but I, I take oh, your amazing. point. You got to remember yeah. when were these made? Like, yeah, like 2004 or something. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Go like, no. go find a couple 2002 movies and you compare that. You'd be like, what? <laughs> like, two-year difference? But I take your point. Take well, your point. like, two thousand th- for 2003 it is. Sorry, 2003. I'm absolutely not, like, shitting on this because it's just, like, a masterpiece of cinema. But, but, just with that little, you know, reflective eye, they could release, like, a, an updated version for 2023. I'm sure they know, will. Improve some of the special effects. I don't think they would, like... Well, I mean, they would make money out of it, but at the same time, it's one of those timeless classics. Why would you? I don't know. Star Wars did. Like back in like the 90s, they made like Well, that's George Lucas. He's obsessed with changing things. Come on, man. Don't give me that shit. Who knows if it was even him? My point is, it it could happen. You never know. It's so funny, though. We Like we got to the end of the movie and my partner was like, oh, that's awesome. And then we looked and we realized there was still like 50, 45 minutes to go. It's like so you mean like the Mount Doom part? Yeah, where no, they're on Mount Doom, and you're like, "Wow, Mount it's Doom. over!" Yeah, exactly. And then yeah. you're like, "No, it's not." <laughs> and then I, was, I was telling, her, I was like, "Oh, it's like this in the books." She's like, "What do you mean?" I was like, "Yeah, the the books like finish halfway through, and then there's just ending after ending after ending, and like the one with Saruman trying to take over the the Shire, and then all that stuff." And you're like. Oh my god! I never read that. I don't remember reading that part in the books. I think I just skipped it. But the thing I will say is, like, I think Return of the King is actually my like, if you ranked them, the third like least favorite third for me. 
Yeah. I, I think it actually does go like crazy enough. One, two, three. Yeah, same. Same. Yeah. Because yeah. well, the first one, I just think the about like the minds of Moria are just some of the most compelling viewing I think I've yeah. ever been involved yeah. in. It's it's a, it's almost like a horror film, like stuffed into the yeah. middle of this amazing adventure fantasy quest. And the building up of like the of the like call to action and yeah. like the threat like that just it's just really really compelling the yeah. balrog when it finally shows just amazing and the fly you yeah. fools i love it i love it yeah. all but then i'd agree with you the second one is probably the second best one i'd say like the bit where you know gandalf brings the art like the rise of rohan over the hill at the exact right moment it's ah oh man it's com- so good yeah it's good it's good sean it, bean's in it as well so. i forgot <laughs> i forgot how much uh, narration there is in them like they subtly weave it in like it's like, great and it's all it's all the, oh, what's that lit girl's woman's name she um, does some of all it. The, uh, yeah she does some of it and but then there's there's random bits that you forget about like elrond does a fair amount and there's a fair oh, amount really? from gandalf at times and you're like ah, oh, I've, I've totally forgotten about this but i'm glad we did it i'm glad we took the 25 hours to watch these three movies out of our lives <laughs> 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 thank you new oh, zealand joy. for making me watch these movies again because what a what a great way what what a great way to honor being in you know queenstown and the rest of our trip to new zealand look what we do now guys is we talk a little bit about what we say is the news but it's really just fun things we've seen most on instagram and we call it have you heard dl what do you heard this week well there's been quite a bit of stuff um, so much stuff all yeah, I'll start with like, maybe we just do GamesCon all in one. I can Ooh. just drop that right now. There's so a bunch in- of cool stuff. Yeah, interestingly, I have not had much of an opportunity over the last few days to really pay attention to it. But there's one or two bits I'd like to talk about. So you hit me with yours. So everyone knows I'm a, I'm a survival horror fan. And everyone also knows that I'm like a low-key Alan Wake well, fan from way well, back when. You're a survival horror fan? I thought you only <laughs> yeah. liked Indians. Indians? I thought you only liked Westerns. <laughs> Indians? <laughs> Wow. Keep I was going to say in. Cowboys Indians. Keep I don't that. think you can say I that do, anymore. I do love, I do love Indians. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's a, they, they did a big drop for Alan Wake 2, which, and ah, it looks amazing. really cool. It looks very much like they've du- doubled down into like survival horror, over the shoulder, all that good stuff. Awesome. Um, and the cool part about it, I think, is going to be that like, this is a, the, the premise of that story is somewhat like he's writing a story that's become real and they're trying to get out of it. Yeah, like you can just reuse that in like so many ways. Like they could keep this iterating because like it's basically the, you know, it's Pandora's box. It's like all yeah, of yeah. fiction be- could become the plot of this game. So it's like you just have a lot you can creatively work with over the years. So I think this is going to be the start of like a a pretty big franchise. Frankly, it's almost like a a more interesting version of it was all a dream all along. You know. Yeah, yeah. Except like weird and you know like I just think they'll be able to iterate on it really well. Well, it's where of the imagination can go, right? Yeah, a reignition of this, like, kind of... What, what? It's never been a franchise that was, like, sold a bunch of stuff. It's kind of been, like, a cult classic indie thing, but I think they're going to turn it into something a bit bigger. Um, So that was really cool. Did you ever play that um Control game, I believe it's called? No. So I, I downloaded it because it got really good reviews, but no one ever played it. So I played, like, a bit of it when it came out, and it's this weird... Ah, I, I don't know why I didn't finish it. I think I moved house halfway through and never got around to finishing it. But it's this weird story of this female uh, protagonist. She's in this weird building, and there's it's she's got telekinesis. I can't I can't describe to you the story. It's very odd. But 
The point of it is, is that because it's made by the same developers, there are a lot of subtle nods and winks to Alan Wake. So oh, some people, some people think that perhaps they're building sort of a gaming cinematic universe type thing, which would be kind of cool. I do remember cool. that. Yeah, that would be cool. I'm, I'm excited to play it anyway. They, they nice. dropped like 40 minutes. It looks good. 40 minutes? Um, yeah, it was like a 40 minute demo. It was like the whole chapter. Oh my, oh, it's a demo. I sorry. I didn't sorry, watch sorry. all of it. Yeah. You're going to play it? I didn't it? watch all of it. Uh, yeah, for sure. I'll play it eventually. Yeah, nice. I, I mean the demo, not the bucks. game. Oh, no, no, not, not going to play the demo. I'll wait for the demo. I love the return of demos, by the way. Like, they've made a real comeback in the last, like, three to five years. Have you noticed that? I don't know why, but yes, they have. But Like, like beta testing. Yeah, and, demos used to be the best. Demos used to be so cool when you get, like, a disc... You know, <laughs> I had a demo for upcoming. Had, yeah, you'd buy a PlayStation magazine and it would have like, I don't know, 10 demos on. You'd have like Crash Bandicoot and all this crazy shit. And you'd be like, you'd get the first level of the game. I used to love that stuff. I mean, it is a good way to like, you know, get people hooked, I would think. Totally, totally. And yeah. you used to get it as well in games. So if you bought a brand new game, sometimes you would have a demo disc for other games from the same developer on there too. Devel- yeah, so you get a taste of them. Yeah, Rare they, did a lot of that. You're right. Yes, and then they just vanished like out of the out of the blue, and now they're kind of making a comeback. And I really like it. It's sort of showing off different elements of things that maybe you might not have played previously. And games are so expensive now. I'm not. I I spend too much money on games that I play 15 minutes of and then never play again. <laughs> and it stopped me buying video games. It's really bad. I've had too many bad experiences. That's why you need Game Pass, bro. But I don't. I, I'm a PS5 guy now, so I can't really use Game Pass. <laughs> You've been turned to the dark side. Yeah, I really have. It's funny. I've, I'm like one of those rare people that converted like every other generation. Um, oh, I think you've talked about this. Yeah, you started yeah. with PlayStation. The, started with like Nintendo. Oh, then. Did well, maybe what was first PlayStation or N sixty four? Great question. They were very similar times. I think I had both of those. Okay, fancy pants. Yeah, I eventually got the Xbox and stayed with the Xbox for like three generations. Then went nice. back to PlayStation. Okay, okay. The uh, other another news from Gamescom. There was some stuff around. Did you see this Starfield leak? I was going to tell you that talk about this. It's Dude, not a leak. I think they released it. like an absolute ton of footage. I don't think a lot of it's gameplay, though, because it's all very cinematic. But, oh, my God, they released a lot, and it looks spectacular. It looks crazy. It looks like Indiana Jones meets, like, space travel, which is yeah. what a bunch of people, I think even the game director described it as. But there was a leak as well. Some guy leaked, like, for, like basically a pre-cut copy of the game. He stole it oh, somehow, and then he, really? he got caught. <laughs> he was oh. trying to sell it. Yeah. And he was, like, some hacker. Anyway, that was holy shit. kind of a peripheral news to it. But, yeah, it looks really, it looks cool. It looks so big. It's one of those games I'm going to just like wait. It's probably yeah. going to be buggy. It's I feel I have a feeling it's going to be buggy. It's going to be cyberpunky and not that bad maybe, but like it's just one of those ones where it's better to wait. Yeah, I'd Let agree. the mods figure some shit out. Like I would agree. I mean? But also, wouldn't you need to have an Xbox to play or a PC? Oh, true. Is it an Xbox exclusive yeah, now? I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. And like whether it would ever come out on PlayStation, who knows. Yeah. I'm definitely not spending all that money on Xbox to play this one game that I'll no. play for two hours, then never play again. <laughs> unless it's like, unless it's like a fucking twelve out of ten. But even so, it's it's just so big. It's one of those games like I'm scared to start. It would suck you know? your entire life up. Yeah, and I know you, Dio. I know it would suck your entire life up. Uh, yeah, it, it happens to me, man. It's uh, these games are dangerous. Do you still have dangerous. the old Xbox? I have an Xbox. Uh, no, I have like a Xbox One or something. Maybe one. 
I don't know. I have that one. I have an old, old version of that one. It could, it could be crapping out at any point. <laughs> so yeah. you wouldn't, you wouldn't buy it. You wouldn't buy this and see if you could play it on it. Nah, no. Nah. I mean, like, and I'd, I'd wait for the reviews to be fair. Fair play. But fair honestly, play. it's like so hard for me to like play a game on a, the old generation when I know I have the new one. It's like I know. something about it is just like I'm not getting the best experience. Like I, I, I feel FOMO. I'm still happy to buy the PlayStation 4 version of games and then just wait for the download for the PlayStation 5 to come all I the mean, way down. For sure. Because you're paying like, like $30 less. Like, you save like 80 bucks. Like I was looking at the Witcher one. It's like $80. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Like, instead, I just got the free upgrade. I, I did see at the Gamescom, they released a bunch of footage of Armored Core 6, which is the upcoming game from the guys who make the Bloodborne series. Wait, is that right? Soulsborne, that's what they say. The Soulsborne Soulsborn, series. Yeah. And yeah. it just looks nuts. It looks like some crazy anime. Uh, I don't know. I can't even describe it to you. Mixed with Transformers fighting each other and apparently your whole robot thing is completely customizable you can change everything and do all the stats oh it's like the mech game yeah it's like the mech game yeah insane i'm totally gonna get that i was kind of waiting for that lies of p game because that's apparently a Soulsborne style game looking at it and a few friends of the show have maybe hinted that it's not supposed to be as good as maybe people think it looks so i think now i'm gonna just wait for this even though this Armored Core 6 isn't going to be a Soulsborne like uh, influenced game, as in like the gameplay is not going to be the the same type of thing. It's going to be very true to the original, according to the the creators. But like, it just looks cool. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, you know, a little bit of your brain, yeah, yeah. No, I've never got into those mech like anime things. Like, yeah, there was a bunch of those that were like on a Saturday morning cartoons, and it was never really my thing. But like, I can understand like people that had, and it was obviously big. Yeah, that had that kind of inclination. This would be like you know, mana from heaven. Like, um, I never got into them, but I could appreciate that it looked cool. Does that make sense? Yeah. You seem like a mech guy. I don't know, man. You seem like a mech guy. I mean, I'm what do you want up as me? a mech guy. What do you want from me? What What was the, the, the main one? Gundam. Gundam Wing? Gundam something. Yes, that's what it was. There were so many, like, TV series about, there was, like, Gundam 7. Or, I, I don't yeah. Apparently, it was Cartoon it, Network or some shit. Apparently it skips around like the first series, couple series aren't very good. Then it got like a, a, a refresh and the next ones are the best ones or something. If anyone knows anything about the Gundam series, hit us up. You can find us at Podcast Assemble or the Podcast Assemble at gmail.com. We would love to know because I know nothing about Gundam and, you know, I'd watch it. I'd give it a go. I'm at that stage in life where I'd, um, I'd go back and check this stuff out. <laughs> fair enough, man. The, did you, well, to be fair, man, this is, I can't believe you haven't mentioned this one from GamesCon. You being a dinosaur lover, a never forget kind of guy, <laughs> never forget. There's a game coming out called Death Ground. that's like all about, you know, dinosaurs. Right. Like, okay. I don't know any. It was a teaser trailer. I have no context other than like it's like people creeping around trying to avoid dinosaurs and, you know, some some gunplay with dinosaurs. And uh-huh. I don't know if you've ever played Dino Crisis back in yes. the day. That was yes, like yes, the yes, Capcom yes, yes, thing. Yes, 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 it yes. kind of looks like a modern first person version of that. That looks, that sounds insane. Tell me that yeah. again. I'm going to save it yeah. to watch when we finish talking. Death, death ground. Like I say, I haven't had a huge amount. Oh, I put in death group. That's not a, <laughs> that's not a thing. That's something that should, different, mate. That's not that's a thing. Definitely, definitely something different. <laughs> uh, Culty. Vibes. Yeah. 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 Tom Cruise is probably involved in that somehow. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, like I say, I haven't had a lot of time to catch up with the Gamescom stuff as of yet, but that is one that would have totally caught my eye. I'm sure it would have done. Dino Crisis was the bomb. 
Yeah, it was, Bring that I, I want them to remake that, dude. I think Capcom will, dude. Capcom has found like this cash engine of like their RE4 engine just remaking every game they've ever made. Like they'll do that with Dino Crisis for sure. Like eventually, eventually. And it'll be super fucking cool, dude. Can you imagine Dino Crisis over the shoulder view? Basically like Turok, but third person. Imagine, anyway, imagine there's a lot of references. the arcade games they'll create from that. It will be insane. Uh, it'll be dope. And then the last one for me from uh, GamesCon, just real quickly, Fallout TV series sneak peek, Ooh. which looks that could be an interest. That's like a very, very interesting IP for long form television. Um, I think it could be really good. I it has the potential to be. I haven't I've never played Half Life. I'm that guy, but I no, know Fallout, if it's Fallout. Co- sorry, 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 sorry. I've never played Fallout. I don't know why Half Life yeah. is on my brain at that exact moment, but um. <laughs> I do know of its cultural significance, especially like, I think it's Fallout New Vegas, which is the one everybody loves. And there's a couple of I've them. never played that. Is it PC mm. only? I don't think so. I think you get it on everything. I tried to find it like used and I couldn't find it anywhere. Anyway, that's, that, that's one that I've never played. I played the original one before that. I think it was Fallout 3 and Fallout 4, but I never played New Vegas. Interesting. Because isn't Fallout 4 the one that was like just a buggy mess? It was, but I played it like years after, so they oh, yeah. figured it out. They'd fixed it. The yeah. classic DL. Yeah. When it when it comes to those games, you have to do that because they all those best. Bes- I never know how to say it. Bethsaida. What do you say? Bes- uh, what do you always say? You always say it wrong. Bethsaida. Beth- <laughs> Bethsaida song. I don't know. Yeah, Bethesda. You get uh, that. You get that. When it comes to those games, they're like they're definitely you know buggy on release. That's why I'm worried about Starfield. But what were you gonna say about Fallout? Oh, nothing at all. I just, uh, I think it has the opportunity, like the visual style of it and the sto- long form storytelling and like the, the twists and the turns, it 100% has, it has like great possibilities to be like a TV show. Yeah. And also just like the morality. There's a lot of, yeah. it's like a very, very gray, kind of similar to The Witcher in like a nuclear apocalyptic wasteland, which is like such a long form TV show premise as well. Just oh, like, well, maybe, uh, maybe they'll dumb it down then for American audiences. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> that I is really a callback, ladies and gentlemen, to last week when I was talking about The Witcher. Um, anyway, moving on very swiftly. One of the things I've heard this week, and I think I might have sent to you, is that apparently there are rumors about a Thor 5 being in development. Now, how do you feel about this deal? Look, I think uh, if there's enough IP for them to make a Thor 5, right? Oh, I mean, this and years of history. And Hemsworth is like, Good. So if he's still motivated and wants to be Thor, awesome, right? Yeah. I think he's yeah, one yeah. of the rare actors that can be comedic and super, super dramatic, and like have me believe both. Like, yeah, in a in a in a blockbuster style movie. Now, if they've got teddy bears shooting light out from children as the like climax of the movie, I'm going to be pretty bummed. This all came from director Taika Waititi, who was doing an interview and effectively saying that if they were to bring the character back, they would need to take it a brand new direction, which is totally true, right? I think they maybe dove a little bit too far into the comedy in the last one, but this has currently got the Star Trek treatment. So you know how Star Trek's got that weird thing of like every odd film is a bad one? I feel like this is the same. <laughs> like the first one was good, the second one was crap, the third is one the was the second one Dark Elves. Yes, yeah, that one's bad. Bad, it's bad. <laughs> it's really and then bad. the third one was Ragnarok, which was probably one of the better films. And then the fourth yeah. one was pretty bad. So the fifth one yeah. can only be good, really, right? Well, you gotta hope that they tie it into like a Loki return, like a, a you know what I mean? 
of bringing so, him of back. some kind, like tie him back to the main story in a way that's like you know with the gods and this I, is I think that's where like, different Loki, th- right? This is a from a different yeah, it timeline. is. That's why it'll be interesting. Ooh. And like Thor will Thor will only be as interesting if it if it has like an impact. I think on the broader story because he's such a powerful. You know, he's one of the big players. Yeah, so for him to just be in isolation with teddy bears shooting light out of their you know <laughs> chests like care fucking bears. Like I I, I don't care. Uh. Well, this is one of the things that uh, Taika Waititi was talking about. He basically said that, you know, if you were to bring him back, you would have to have him against significantly more powerful beings. Not that Christian Bale's character, whose name I've completely forgotten off the top of my head, God the God Butcher, isn't a very powerful character, because he is. They just didn't do him justice in that film. But you would have to have him against some hectic, hectic level characters. Because Thor's like one of the top five most powerful heroes, surely. Yeah, and it's more like, I mean, as much as that matters to you, I think it's more like, you know, the you got to care about the character journey and the threat and all well, that. that. And that's like, what I'm saying. Exactly. And, and we're saying the same thing. Who does who does Thor care about these days? Yeah. yeah. Who, who does Thor care about? Well, that's well. I mean, it's it's clearly the daughter at this point from the end of the, the latest one, Love and Thunder. But I think that's, that's what I'm trying to get at. So, like, if you think about the Superman paradox, let's call it. How do you care about a villain to Superman because he's gonna beat them? So Thor's similar, like he's super powerful. He's probably gonna beat them anyway. Like you've gotta have someone who's actually a threat to him, or at least more intelligent than him. Or a threat to someone new that he cares about. Right. Yes. Like Loki reintroduced a family member. Like he's been so alone for so I don't know. I'm pretty I'm pretty stoked on the potential. Like there's a lot you could do, but yeah, we'll see if they do it. And I think Kevin Feige has been trying to squeeze in every single story ever from all the good stories anyway, from the the recent, at least, Marvel comics before he eventually, you know, steps back from making Marvel movies. And, you know, maybe if you do some of the smaller scale storytelling, give Thor some proper real threats and familial ties to be worried about, you could make a good story. You, could do, you can still make good stories, can't you, DL? You can still make good stories. Well, DL, final bit from me this week is did you hear or did you see well we've actually talked about this so i know you did but did you see the the rebel moon trailer the new Zack snyder netflix giant what are your thoughts fuck that dude it's like an orgy of everything sci-fi yeah. <laughs> like literally you could not make a, a trailer that had more just like nods and sexual innuendos towards not really sexual innuendos, but just had a lot of influence from like, you know, Dune, totally. Totally. Star Wars, like every sci-fi thing ever. Well, um, you you said this. Yeah. It looks unique in the in the from the perspective that it pulls from franchises that maybe haven't been slammed into a movie before in the same right. So you said Dune, you said Star Wars, you said Avatar and like Hunger Games. I saw like yeah. flashes of Harry Potter in there, flashes of things like Firefly, you know, the the beloved TV show that only got one series. It's got like everything. Yeah, stylistically, it looks like you just, you know. Well, it's it's so Zack Snyder. So it's like, is that gonna be a positive or a negative? Like, are we just gonna get a smorgage board of like really cool looking things that all feel a bit like yes. reused? <laughs> or is it gonna have like a really unique yes. like like, are we just getting a poo-poo platter of, like, the, the highlights of every franchise we already like? Or is it a charcuterie board of beautiful things yes. that we all want to see on the, on the same screen? Yeah, that are uniquely complementary to each other in a, like, really great story. One thing that sounds cool about it is it just sounds like it could be all these franchises except adult. Mm. Which that would be, you know, like, he's not going to be afraid of, like, 
Very sex Snyder and moral, moral, yeah, like moral questions that like a Disney or a, you know, basically any of them but Dune would be afraid of. I agree. To- 100% yeah. agree. And I feel it is Zack Snyder, so likely it's going to be a kid's movie, except they say fuck a few times. <laughs> and there's not. maybe a sex scene, you know? Like, I, I feel like not. that's how he makes his movies. It's, it is the base. Uh, look, I'm, I'm shitting on Zack Snyder here. I think he's significantly better than this, but I feel like he does get the very base storytelling or, or like the very base of a story and then just adds loads of visual style, loads of like, you know, as you say, innuendo and, and calls to other movie franchises, but doesn't take the story further than its base level. And that's like, we saw that with the zombie one he did recently. There's not, there's nothing to that film. <laughs> it's like, I, I need more from, from these movies. The, the, the risk is they just like, like, look, stylistically, it looks crazy. Like the yeah. trailer looks fucking, yeah. it's like, as far as trailers go, it's like up there is like one of the ones where you're like, holy shit, that was crazy. But could it just end up being just that? All style, no flavor. Like, yeah. I just worry you're creating this new world. Do you have enough time to build the world in a way that is impactful to the plot mm-hmm. and characters? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you've got, when like, <laughs> from what I saw of like the five, four minute trailer, there's so much spectacle. Like, so where much. are the small moments that make the spectacle worth anything? Like, we'll see. Well, what annoys, what, just... what annoys me is that Zack Snyder movies make a billion dollars just because of his cult status. But Dennis Villeneuve movies, which are infinitely better, infinitely better looking, full characters, you know, should be some of the most renowned movies of all time. Make fuck all at the box office. <laughs> I'm like, just go and see the movies. They're critically acclaimed. Do they? But they probably have lower budgets than a lot of the ones Zack Snyder does. So, I mean, they might they might per capita. Well, I don't, I don't know. know. The likes of Blade Runner had a pretty big budget. Dune had a pretty oh that big one did. Budget. Yeah, but you can't really you can't really use Dune as an example because it kept, they literally just threw it onto streaming during COVID. So whatever yeah. Dune two does, I think is going to be a, a better sort of litmus Indicator. test for how his you know movies yeah. really fare. But anyway, GL, we've talked about Zack Snyder way too much and way too often. Let's shift on to our final bit of news and before we do why don't you guys hit us up at podcast assemble or the podcast assemble at gmail.com send us memes send us stuff send us news we love it when you do i've been pretty bad at calling it out recently but we will be better and there are things that i normally say now that i've completely forgotten dl what is your final piece of news yeah my final piece of news is topical to our main topic so i'm gonna pat myself on the back for that is it a segue this is a segue, a new segue. Um, I love it. Have you seen the I love rumors? It. Because there is an actor strike going on, but not in Britain. Yes. Your as we talked about. Uh, there's been rumors that there is like low-key casting auditions going on for the Harry Potter uh, series that Warner Brothers and HBO are, are kind of releasing. Um, yeah, wow. We've talked or, about this a couple of times. trying to release. Yeah, and so there's been there's been some like low key for the last three months. Apparently, there's been like low key casting and work being done. Low key um, casting one of the rumors for the TV show. Co- yeah, no <laughs> low key, low key, low dash key. Sorry, I'm back uh, on my bullshit. I can't help myself. Yeah, one of the one of the key rumors was that as we did predict, Hermione Granger is uh, being like they're looking for like an African American or a black. Person, not, sorry, not African American, black black actress. Interesting. Um, to play that role. Interesting. Are there any casting rumors? No, beyond that, nothing. It's been pretty tight lipped. But you got to imagine, yeah, you got to imagine it. They haven't said anything. It's just like 
it's rumors that like people are going to auditions, right? Like, you know how like you get the audition, the way that works is you get like your agent calls or you get the reel, you get like a text that's like, Hey, we, we need you to, you know, say these lines for these characters for a potential fantasy. And like, you're not allowed to say anything about yeah, it, but yeah, people yeah, tell yeah. their friends. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, so that's, I think what's happening. And I think it's mainly given the strike all, you know, English actors. Because that's the way Harry Potter was last time as well. I mean, that I think that was one of the yeah. stipulations of J.K. Rowling yeah. signing Harry Potter over to Warner Brothers was that they only use British actors, if I yeah. remember correctly, I mean, I, anyway. I don't know if that carries through, but it seems like they're trying to... I think they should. Well, um, as we are going to be talking about one of these fabulous movies today, should we save and maybe come back to this and do a little bit of uh, fan casting of our own towards the end? Yeah, yeah, let's close it out with that. I love it. I love it. I agree. Let's talk about some of the the characters who are brand new to this film and say who Uh might want to fan cast them. Yeah. (sighs) Okay, then, DL, do you want to preface our main topic? Of course, man. So uh, we're making progress on another anthology this time. (laughs) For some reason, we just pick like the middle of (laughs) the end of August to do Harry Potter. (laughs) I don't know why. It's like an annual thing. This is where, you know, winter and Christmas in July or Christmas in August. I don't fucking know. Call it what you will. But we're doing the uh, the next iteration. Well, what this means is we're going to have to do this for another five years so we can finish off these movies. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, and we're we're on number three, if you've been following. We're, you know, one, two, and now we're on the Harry Potter uh, year three, the Prisoner of Azkaban. Harry Potter and he's back on his bullshit. You know, the you know, the one. Yeah, we're back, you know, baby. There's a new, there's a new threat. You know, Albus Dumbledore's fucked up again and let somebody into Hogwarts he shouldn't. Like, <laughs> that's where we're at. So with that, shall I jump into a dumb summary? Oh, please. Harry Potter 3. Please. All right. Uh, my dumb summary. In attempts to match the intensity of their director, uh, Alfonso Corion and his Harry Potter debut with a darker tone, Harry and the gang are really trying to be real actors now. Ah. And it shows. <laughs> Nice. I like that a lot. Mine's not simply in yours, DL. It's simply Harry Potter and the reason obesity is so prevalent in the world. Depression is apparently cured by chocolate. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> I mean, yeah, dude. Could be argued. Could I be mean, argued. That's, that's kind of the uh... sort of thing. Anyway, well, we are carrying on with our Harry Potter anthology, as DL mentioned. And one thing I like to do before we get into this is ask, where were you when this came out? Like, were you up to date with the books? Did you Were you watching these movies as they came out at this point? What was your POV? For sure. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I think the first two books were out by the time I caught on. Yeah. And, or maybe the first three. Yeah, it was the first three. And the movies started coming out way after that, right? So I definitely yeah. was caught up when this, like, I'd already read whatever books were out. I think it would yeah. probably been the fourth or the fifth book when this came out, maybe. Well, this is maybe ironically 2004 that we were just talking about. So, yeah, I was oh, exactly okay. the same. I think I'd probably jump, I think I probably jumped on after the third book, maybe the fourth. I think I, I think I jumped on when the fourth book came out. But as you say, these were coming out a little bit delayed. I was on the movies as they were coming out, too. So this was, you know, this is a pretty big one. And it's it's got that darker tone you were talking about. And I, I really like that. And we'll get we will get into that. But can you guess for me the current IMDB score for this movie? The current IMDB score for this movie would be God, Harry Potter fans are divisive on oh, the yeah. movies. Oh yeah. Uh seven five. Ooh, it's seven nine. Really up there okay. for, for the IMDB fans. Yeah. yeah. Well, what do you think yeah. about the Rotten Tomatoes score, which is a percent? 
78. Oh, it's 90%. That is That's high, baby. I mean, it is. I guess I got to remember, like, they did like this one a lot more because it was darker back yeah. when it came out. Yeah. Like, a and lot I think of people it liked it because of that. moved away from a lot of the kiddiness of the original, too. And the final one, then, before we move on, is our letterboxed score, which, remember, is all fans. So, and it's out of five. Yeah. Fans would be lower. I got to imagine it's three. No, it's 4.1 out of five. So this one seems pretty roundly loved. As you mentioned, it is from the third in three director, Alfonso Cuaron, who, you know, admitted before making this that he'd actually never read the Harry Potter (laughs) novels. So he's a bit like uh, the new Dumbledore. But however, he did actually put the time in because apparently Guillermo del Toro, favorite of the show, convinced him to read the books before coming in and doing this, which, you know, kind of would help you'd assume. For sure. And actually, when I think about it, like, this is the one that at least they, like, stuck to the plot beats pretty yes, well. So, definitely. like, upon, like, I should have known that and that that would have, you know, made fans a little happier. Plus, you got to just imagine when you look at the timeline of the book releases. So, Ju- June 2003 is when Harry Potter uh, and the Order of the Phoenix book was released. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so you basically had the book where serious spoilers for anyone who <laughs> hasn't known. Spoilers, what happens? Don't tell and, me. Uh, in that book. And so this is the introduction of Sirius Black yeah. as a character yeah. right after we know. So like, there's probably some hype around that as well. Completely, completely agree. And I think there was yeah. probably a lot of links between the two uh, within media at the time. Not that I bloody remember, but... It's funny you mention that because they're like obviously all of the old crew are back. We've got favorite of the show, Daniel Radcliffe. <clears throat> We've got a bunch of others. You know, everyone who's huge in these films, uh, Rupert Grint, Emma Watson, etc. But there are some really interesting additions to the character build. So Gary Oldman joins this as Sirius Black, who, by the way, what a fucking legend. Love that guy. Yeah. He's in so many yeah. cool things. We've got uh, Robert Hardy as Cornelius Fudge, who I genuinely think is really, really good in this. We've got uh, David Thelewis as Professor Lupin. Again, fantastic. We have Timothy Spall as Peter Pettigrew. And we have the best addition to the cast, Dio. It is definitely Michael Gambon as Albus Dumbledore. On opposite day. (laughs) Yeah. If speaking of someone who probably didn't read the books before playing the role, pretty sure he's one of them. Yeah, he is. Look, I think for the most part, the new additions I'm a big fan of. Uh, when you got Professor Lupin, Pettigrew, oh yeah, Sirius Black, hundred percent. He's the only one where I'm like, he just doesn't embody Dumbledore at all. He just bugs me. He really could have benefited from reading. <laughs> like, the way, he, <laughs> like it's it's pretty dumb to say, but like the way he just like personifies the character is like the antithesis for the most part of. I think how the character is actually displayed in yeah, completely in, you know, and and it's to his detriment because there's like, air, like he's really, really intense and then does like the acts that he, you know, the things he does because the plot requires them like giving, being very, very loose with the rules with shit, like all these kids, like conflict with that character, like completely. the intensity he brings to all these other situations. You're like, you wouldn't just give a time turner to a, 12 year old or whatever 13 year old get ahead of it let's reel that back in i could see the anger come boiling in you already yeah. let's talk a little bit about the overall plot of this movie what what happens yeah uh, and why do you love it so much <laughs> we follow harry in his third year at hogwarts we're shocker something's trying to get him and that's something we we 
surmise is the escaped felon or murderer Sirius Black. And we don't really know why he's very serious he is who he is. We know he's killed a bunch of people. We don't know why he's coming after Harry, but Harry and everyone else seems to know pretty instantly. You might want to just fucking tell the kid. Anyway, the point is he's coming after Harry. And uh, we, yeah, we get to see the journey of um, really Harry as he uncovers this mystery. Yeah. Uh, as, yeah, at a high level. As Harry meets Dementors. I think that's the overall, <laughs> overall view of this film. Yeah. I, uh, as he approaches fear. Yeah, I like I liked what you mentioned there at the very beginning about the whole changing of the sort of, tone of these movies and you can tell you can see it gets darker and darker from here on out and there's a really funny there's a really funny meme someone sent me whereby you can tell which harry potter movie it is by how dark the warner brothers logo is because by the end of it it's practically <laughs> but it's black. black it's just yeah. black yeah it's like it starts <laughs> off all light <laughs> and bubblegum they want to paint it black <laughs> But it's so good. And like, there's a lot of really fun, interesting new additions to, to this movie. And I like a lot of them. So like the, it inter- introduces the idea of the Marauders and the Marauders map. Things from the books, which are really pivotal and, you know, really drive the plot forward in interesting ways. Things like seeing Peter Pettigrew on the map and how that works. I think some of the world building in this is some of the best from all of the movies. Obviously, the first one sets like a world. The second one sort of just carries that on a little bit. It's very similar in the the to- the, the 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 tone of it, but like this one really gives it its own uniqueness. I would say. I agree. I do think they got the tone right. I would have almost liked to see more of a little bit of As Command flashes to it, so, but we get a bit of that. I think. I think we get a bit of it. Oh, you wait, my man. We're going to be talking about that in trivia, yeah. true or false. The but like overall, I, I think the the tone all that stuff the new additions like the actual script like your to to your point like i think is probably one of the tightest and more, most true to form agreed harry potter movies of all of them the part that just kills me is just like god like i honestly used to like this movie a lot more than i do after this rewatch <laughs> and it's because the, the this rewatch killed it for me cuz I was maybe I was just in a bad state because I've been sick, but I just noticed how bad the acting, the kid acting is. It's it's right. so bad, and I think so it's you're like finally more getting on board with to, me after three movies. No, but like I, dude, of course I'm on board. I've always been on board with Daniel Daftcliffe, but like the <laughs> fucking the broader like actors that I thought like were mostly good, like just weren't. And I guess like the the part that's like harder to accept, I think, is. That becomes like more ready, readily apparent and like cringy as mm, they become mm. teenagers. Whereas totally. when they're kids, they're kind of oblivious to like overacting. They're just being themselves a bit more at, at times. And it's like more acceptable because it's a kid just in your brain. You can rationalize it. But as like these preteen, you know, tweeners, it's just it it grinds my gears, Thomas. It just <laughs> it grinds, it grinds and I've got I've got many a, I've got many a moment to point out, but I'd say at a high level, that's what really took took me out of this movie is like the level of acting when you compare like a you know a serious black or a uh you know Professor it's a Lupin. real weird juxtaposition, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. To the people they're interacting with is so bad com- com- in comparison that it's yeah, it's tough. You know, I, I never thought about it like that. You, you're completely right, and and it throws me a lot this film because like the very opening scenes, so all of the dialogue with Harry's awful auntie, and you know he's back with the Dursleys for some reason, um, even though they're horrible human beings. Like all he of that. To. Yeah, I I know that, but at this point you don't really know that. 
but like all of all of that is super strong to me super strong all that stuff yeah. with with aunt petunia being being back to herself and you know this person who's even worse to him being in the house like real strong and then she floats away there's a, i've got a few there's a few plot holes within that entire part of the movie but that's <laughs> that's just in that first scene. but sorry but like i think it's so good and from my perspective anyway tell me how you feel but like it's so good the opening is so strong that you it is. quickly forget like when you get to the next scenes where you're in uh hogs not hogsmeade where are they at then diagon alley uh, and you're seeing yeah. harry talking to some of these other awesome actors you've kind of forget how bad he is for a hot second <laughs> you're right the first 30 minutes of this movie is really good so strong I, it's like funny it's like really sharp and like quippy and like the yeah. bus scene is pretty weird and fun you can I like lo- i uh, love that bus stan shumpike like yeah. that it's really good it's more like in the middle where it kind of falls apart with me from the acting and they, there's a there's a wall of shame that that i've got that we can go through at oh some i can't point, wait for but, that i can't wait for that we'll yeah, get to it we'll get to it tough I like the stakes in this as well, though, because this is the only book or movie which doesn't have Voldemort as the direct antagonist specifically. And I, I kind of like that nice. they changed it up. It's different. <laughs> and, and, and it makes you think, like, you know, like he isn't the only dark wizard out there or the person that you need to be, you know, concerned about at all times. And it, it gives you a, a, a different edge to the world, makes you think, holy shit, actually, Harry might be under threat from other people, too. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you're right. It's the only one where he's not the like either direct or indirect threat. Totally. Right? Like, the only one. There should have been another one in there like that. I guess you can kind of count, too, as like, he's not really involved. It's more like a fragment of him. But yeah, but he's still him, isn't it? Let's be honest. Well, as as the movie then trundles along from all all the uh, excessive magic use outside of school, uh, we we find out that Sirius Black has escaped from prison, which Sirius Black, we don't know why, but we're told he might come after Harry. And there's a really fun scene where Mr. Weasley has a chat with Harry and he's like, whatever you hear about uh, Sirius Black, don't go searching for him. And Harry Potter's like, why would I go searching for him? Why would I go searching for a guy who wants to kill me? It's like, because you've done that for the last two years, <laughs> you psycho. <laughs> Relax. Like no one History believes you. Implies yeah, exactly. You <laughs> fucking do. You have Dude, a like, death wish. I honestly, I wish that like they would have actually acknowledged that. Like, because that'd be a funny de- piece of dialogue. It'd be, great. It'd be also, great. like the one thing you do, like if you're gonna fucking tell him that, what do you think he's gonna do? Yeah, it's 100%. the one thing he's gonna but do. It's, but it's like kids, right? It's like kids. If as soon as you tell a kid not to eat the chocolate, all they can think about is eating the chocolate. Yeah. The premise of it is ridiculous to me. Like everybody seems to know about this serious black thing and they all just don't tell Harry. And it's like, why wouldn't you tell him? <laughs> yeah. Like that information would be helpful. Well, I guess maybe they've already that told because him. of the last two yeah. years. Yeah. There you go. That he will go try and find him. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's like, dude, well, he's going to do that anyway. Anyway. Well, yeah. I mean, you tell him that the most powerful dark wizard of all time is trying to kill him. Why wouldn't you tell him that the second most is as well? At least he's prepared. Yeah, exactly. Madness. But look, I think exactly. as 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 you were saying before, some of the performances in this, you know, some of them are great, some of them not so much. I would call out that this is probably my least uh I think this is the least bad Daniel Radcliffe is in any of these films. It's he's definitely got the best the best writing, even though he's you know, he's not a great actor. We've talked about this a hundred times, but I think he's all right in this. Oh my god, I can't. I could not disagree more. I mean, like, he, I guess, like, his writing, yes. 
But like, can we please just talk about he was their friend? Bear's bottom <laughs> teeth becomes rabid dog. I'll kill him. Like he turns into gold. I'm uh, like, what? Dude, he overact like the fake crying, bro. Do you remember the fake crying? Yes. <laughs> like, dude, there is just it's that whole scene is shockingly bad. Like, look, it, I, it should be on like billboards. I'm getting ahead of myself here, but I think if you watched this back to back with the fifth one, which spoiler alert is my least favorite of any of these films yeah you would see that he is so bad in that and it's it's what you're saying before like he should be he should be beginning to understand his you know his profession like he's he's growing up and he should be beginning to like hone his own acting style but he is just a piece of cardboard and it's awful to watch whereas at least in this he's trying like at least he's trying to overact whereas in that one he's just like the the harry potter I, I give you that. But what I'll say is like his his like approach to being angry is like I'm gonna scream and yell, I'll kill him, <laughs> as opposed to like there's a more subtle way to like deliver that line where it has more impact. You don't just have to turn into a rabid dog. Like he literally bears his teeth and He'd, he could he still just watched Heat the day before. Like, he he was very close to saying <laughs> She had a great ass. Yeah, exactly. I don't fucking know. But he's not even the worst. No. He's Michael not Gambon even is. the worst. <laughs> Well, he's bad, but but not because of his acting, just because his acting doesn't match the source material. Yeah, 100%. And, uh, you know, we, yeah. we'll talk about this as we go through, but I think Michael yeah. Gambon's lack of attention to detail and, you know, his unwillingness to check out one of the biggest growing book series of the time really reflects badly on him. Like, it's it's not that it's a bad performance, it's that it's it doesn't it, it's it's a performance that doesn't reflect any of the character that fans actually love yes yeah how like what justification do you have for not reading the books no did he ever give he just one? took a paycheck he's just like i don't give a fuck basically pretty much i would say Why he's like i'm too old for this michael i'll i'll, I'll google it while you google while you carry do, on. Do, do our favorite background music matt just says like a bunch of people saying like he didn't but like no one's really i'm pretty sure i've seen clips of him at like comic cons and stuff where he's like nah couldn't be bothered it's interesting though because the rest of the characters i I, like in general you take out harry and you take out uh michael gambon these films are so well cast like overall yeah you look at the likes of the people who are brought into this and we talked about them before so gary oldman is serious black uh robert hardy is clearly fudge You've got uh, David the Lewis as as Lupin. The, these are like top class actors, top class, and they are really hamming the shit out of this for what's effectively a silly kids' world. But they're having a great time doing it, and they're so good. And, and one person I really want to call out, who personally I feel really comes into his own, like he's good in the first two, but like really excels with the darker tone, is is Alan Rickman as Snake. Snake? Snape. Snake. He is Snake. Snake uh, Bliskin. <laughs> yeah. Look, he's really good, but apparently I'm so I finally got to the bottom of it. He said it's delib- it was a deliberate choice not to read the books because he's like, there's no point. You'll just get mad about the scenes missing and they're different text. And apparently Alan Rickman didn't read them either, but I just don't believe that. No, I, I don't that's believe that either. Quote. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's amazing. You're right. If you take out a couple, like the casting on this for the most part, even with the kids. It's a, it's really impressive, like the how they nailed for the most part the castings. Like a lot um, of the other kids in it are good. Like outside of Harry, I'd say most of the other kids are pretty solid. Like Seamus is hilarious. 
Yeah, no, I think they, I think they even like Harry. They cast the right look. The kid just, you know, he just end up, you know, not being able to act that well, or basically being an alcoholic for a period, which you know probably didn't <laughs> yeah. help. I mean, but, that would probably, you know, stunt your ability to act. Yeah, uh, we should be nice like, to Harry. Let's the, be honest. We should. He had he struggled for a bit, and honestly, he's not the worst. Hermione's the worst in this movie. Really, like, she's by far the worst. Yes, she's. If you go watch Hermione. This entire movie, you will want to fucking neck yourself by the end of it. The, the level of like, just watch her in the background. It's like she was taught you're supposed to pretend to act in the background. Like, and it's so obvious that she's like, oh, this is like, and she delivers every line like, this is what an actor sounds like. As this opposed is how to a like, human sounds. Yeah, exactly. Like, this is my acting voice. Like, it's, it's so fucking bad. Like, the fake laugh after the snowball scene is like an iconic overacting. Oh, so you can find it on YouTube. People make fun of it. And then... Literally, she gives the worst fake punch I've ever seen. Oh, like, we're gonna talk I'm sorry. about that. We she, are definitely. She is no MMA fighter. That. Like it's like your fucking wrist would have broken, dude. <laughs> oh my god! And you can't even like. And the one that's really good, I would say, is maybe like Ron. Like he's not uh, right, that Ron in bad. Yeah, like he's he's really not that. But you can't really like give him all that much credit and praise when his only lines are like bloody hell and brilliant like that's, if that's all you're gonna say dude i'm not gonna give you that like he, really he's just passable like he's, anyway. he's really just the comedy in this isn't he like they take they strip yeah, yeah. out a lot of the stuff that makes ron ron in the books and it's kind of sad yeah i mean like give it to him a bit in the fourth one but they kind of half bake it right yeah. so yeah we'll get i suppose we'll, yeah. i suppose we'll, we'll get there um yeah but as as the story progresses then we see that the the guys are on the way back to Hogwarts. The kids are all going, and there are Dementors. Dementors are going to be at Hogwarts, and they're effectively soul-sucking. Well, let's be honest with you. They are depression-causing, you know, ghouls, as my partner likes to annoy me by calling them. She refuses <laughs> to call them Dementors. She calls them ghouls. Ghouls. Ghouls, yeah. Ghouls. Something about it really annoys me. And one of my favorite things in all of these movies, and this isn't like a, a three best, three worst, but it's the opening year speech by Dumbledore. Now, in this, it's a bit different because obviously Gambon's, you know, he's a different character. He's he's a bit rough around the edges. But I love that he effectively yeah. just lays out to all the kids, hey, guys, here are the new things we've brought in to try and kill you this year. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Seriously. Every year, it's like... Oh yeah, don't watch out watch out for that, you know, the the big tree that could pummel you to death. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like it's both su- it's both like subtle and not subtle. Like, yeah, exactly. There's the yeah. ones that literally he's like don't do this or you will die. And there's like <laughs> also we hired fucking Hagrid as your gameskeeper who yeah, has exactly. a very very bad judgment on yeah. what is a kid-friendly animal. <laughs> It's just like, or like any number of other things, right? Like, every, it's every just crazy, year, man. He, every year he's like... He, and by the way, here's your other teacher who is a werewolf. Like, <laughs> I'm on the Malfoy side, dude. That is not cool. That is risky, bro. Uh, Once look, a month he turns into like, a like, flesh-eating fucking you. monster. Ten points to like, Dumbledore. No. <laughs> bro, his, his, his record, his hiring record is fucking uh. pissed it's, it's abysmal he, like he he really deserves to be fired well the first year he hired a teacher who had literally voldemort sticking out the back of his head the second year he <laughs> hired a teacher who was more incompetent than well hagrid let's be frank with you the third year <laughs> he hires he literally hires a werewolf and hagrid so it's like his yes. record's getting worse it's a zero for zero hit yeah, rate no, it's, it's it's shockingly bad yeah, hilarious. It's like he deserves a grand injunction. Anyway. Ten points to Dumbledore. 
But I think this movie, like, it moves at a clip, man. It's 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 punchy. I don't think there's any fat to it, really. And it would easy. It is super tight. Yeah. It would easy for that be easy for there to be fat in this because, like, you know, that like these mo- these books do, they do follow the 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 books effectively. But this really, I would say, you mentioned it before, it really gets the essence of the story and sticks to it. Yeah, I can't really think of anything big that's missing. Yeah, I don't know if you can. I haven't reread the books in a while, but to me, been, it's it's pretty pretty sharp. It's been a long time. Yeah, every other movie I can think of, like a couple things. I'm like, how did you miss that? Like, you know what I mean? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this well, character moment is not there. I mentioned the fifth one before. That's my least favorite for a reason, and it cuts out so much of the book and does so many of these really good yeah. characters dirty, especially Ginny. Oh yeah. my god, she is like so. Ginny's probably the biggest. Books. Yeah, she's probably the biggest butchered character, but it's also the actress. Like, I just don't. She, she just didn't. That, that was a poor casting. Yeah, I'd probably agree with you on that front. But like the yeah. story, like as I say, it is, it is at a clip. But one thing that's interestingly introduced in this is the time turners and time travel. Now, I'm, I'm skipping around a little bit, but what do you think of the time turners and the whole introduction of time travel in this? Very, very interesting. Another fucking flawed Dumbledore decision. <laughs> Let's fucking give Hermione Granger basically the equivalent of a nuke because she's the best student of her year, so she can take fucking divination. Ten points to Dumbledore. Like, <laughs> is there are there are <laughs> does that, does that risk reward really make uh, any sense? <laughs> like I think in general, though, uh, like the idea of time travel being in the wizarding world and just so freely available like it's so available they can be like let's give it to a 13 year old like what i just say i don't think it actually is i think dumbledore is just like a sav and super smart and just has access to one and he decides like i'm pretty sure it would be regulated it is it is it's regulated by the ministry of magic they say they they do say it in the books i just think that like if you're gonna give it to anyone it's not gonna be a 13 year old i don't give a shit how intelligent she is Unless yeah. it is part of his bigger plan. Like that it always feels like, definitely in the books, I don't know about the movies specifically, but in the books it definitely feels like Dumbledore always has a bigger plan at play. So little things like that, you know, you know in the seventh one when he gives them all things in his will, one's like the sword of Gryffindor. Yep. One's his Deluminator yep. and one's, I don't know, uh, the book of kids' tales or whatever it is. Storytelling. Yeah. I feel like there is always a bigger plan with these things. But in this, it's just <laughs> It's like, hey, Hermione, 10 points to Dumbledore. <laughs> Have the ability to turn back time. I actually like it as a storytelling technique. I, it's I more just it. funny that, like, it's just, it's a fun thing to joke about. Like, okay, like, you know, on Dumbledore's laundry list of mistakes, like, that would be high in the real world. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. But they by such- the way, like, spoilers, like, the, he, he tells them to use it to go throw themselves into a dire situation oh, yeah. of Dementors oh, and yeah. werewolves. Like, it's not even just oh, yeah. like he gives it to him. He encourages them to use it in a very, very risky way. Anyway, we're getting, we're getting way ahead of it, uh, the plot here, but there is yeah. a grandfather paradox around this, which is really annoying when you think about it, because there has to be a timeline where none of the stuff they do in going back in time happens. Because there has to be an original one. And I think pretty much, pretty much that in that timeline, you would think about it, what, like the the hippogriff would die, but probably, I don't know, like, uh, does everyone die a, in that timeline? No, it's like a closed, I think that like, you know, by time travel, by definition is a paradox. So obviously yes. like, 
you know, with 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 understanding that we're not trying to solve that issue here. There, there's like ways, narrative ways to do it where like where you do time travel where it's a closed loop, and I think that's what this is. It's like a closed loop timeline. Okay. As opposed right. to like creating a branch, you've closed off that old loop. Right. Old. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I, I do I do like how they follow the school year in this one. Like I'm going jump, and I'm jumping around here, but going backwards a step. Yeah. I kind of okay. like how they they. You know, they follow the classes and they predominantly follow a lot of Professor Lupin's classes because obviously he's the new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. And there's a lot of cool stuff that he's teaching them, especially around Dementors. But one of the things that's cool about this is Director Alfonso Curran, he actually had the idea that Hermione, Ron and Harry all wear like their everyday clothes within Hogwarts more regularly rather than just the Hogwarts uniforms. And even like giving the school kids the opportunity to, you know, like, you know, when you were in school, you'd wear your tie dumb. I, we... There was a, a period yeah. in school where you would have your tie and it would only be like two inches long. Like, what was that? What are kids doing? I never understand, understood this like stuff. like super personally. tight sweatshirts. Yeah, we exactly. Did that. Like, we just all wore like yeah. super tight shit for no reason. And, and oh there, was, there was a phase when wearing your two, two arm satchel, just one arm over, both, over one shoulder was the, so, as in like over your head was the cool one. Like, yes. what, what are yes, kids yes, about? Yes, yes. I still don't understand why we were so stupid. But, like, I love this these little touches that he gives, like, because that's what kids are like. They don't all conform to school uniform. I never used to want to, and I was a fucking goody-goody, so I don't know about you. No, I, I get it. Like, we all had weird things we did. It's I, I like that, and it also, also probably gave the actors some say in what they wore, too, totally. which, like, they're coming of an age where that was interesting for, for them as well. Absolutely, and I like those little touches. Yeah, and I think I, I like the stuff you were talking about with, like, how they were out the castle a bunch. You had you got a lot of yeah. storylines with Lupin. Like that, he was really a high point for me. I do like him as Absolutely. an actor in this. Yeah. Um. But I will say, you know, because it wouldn't be you know me without a, a downside. Oh, here we go. The amount of times that like they're just randomly having talks, like monologues, just randomly thrown <laughs> in within no context of a class. <laughs> right. I'm like Harry. Do you have any friends? A eh? like he's just hanging out with the teacher. Oh, it, and not only that, there's like zero context to why they're in the middle of the wilderness. Like it's just like he's in the school talking with his friends. The next scene, he's like in the middle of the yeah. Scottish Highlands yeah. with fucking Lupin having a chat. It's right? a nice shot. There's no context there's no as to it. why they're. Yeah, it's it's beautiful, but it's like where the f- how, like how long did you have you been walking? They're like a four-day wilderness hike into, you know, a, yeah. a reserve. This guy's really sick right now. You could tell that he's clearly unwell, and you've walked him into the middle of the forbidden forest. Yeah, <laughs> no, like no sign of a trail, no <laughs> snacks, no water, no food. Like, what the fuck is going on here? I and it happens like thing. three or four times, dude. And I'm just like, uh, you are far too trusting. It's a good thing. Oh yeah, this oh, man yeah. is not a pedophile. I love. It's like, dude. Maybe I, just, I couldn't maybe, get over maybe, that. I'm like, maybe there's maybe there's Rufus in that chocolate. You don't know. I don't fucking know. But like he, like you know, don't judge a book by his cover. But you look at Lupin and you're like, something's off. Oh, Let me just go man. on a four day hike with no water, food, or way of communicating with anyone along with him. You're Good a you're a bad making. man. You're a bad man, DL. Anyway, <laughs> I, I had that note. That was just a minor note. But I do like his performance. Anyway. I do. I do very much like that performance. I think he's he's great. And you're right, though. Like, it is weird. I think if you bring it back to the classroom, it's a little less weird. <laughs> Some of the classroom stuff is really good. Like, the whole introduction of the Boggart, which, you know, gives away Lupin's entire oh, great. arc, let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. Um, but I, I do like that. And I do like the... I do like that scene where they're all having a go at 
beating the bogger. But one thing I did want to call out about that is, and you tell me how you feel, as, as like part of the world building, a big snake is scary, right? We all know a big snake is scary. But if you turned a big snake into a massive fucking unblinking clown, that is way more scary. I agree. I said the same thing. I was like, that's freakier than the fucking snake. Like, what are you doing? Anyway, the, the world building of the Boggarts is great, though. And it's interesting that they don't do as much of the uh, of Boggarts within the entire world because they pop up through the books regularly. Um, but they do yeah. serve as a really good way to be, I don't know, substitutes for Dementors, maybe. I do, uh, And I think that leans into the whole sort of world building of the you know, the Dementor training with Harry and Looping. I really like those yeah. scenes. I think I it think also, nice. th- yeah, no, and throughout the books, I think th- the Bogarts are like more even like a, a meta meta commentary on like yes. the, the characters, like inner emotions, right? Yeah, like absolutely. You, that's how they're, you, when they're used the most effectively, they kind of do, they, they put, they add perspective to like the, where certain characters are at mentally that don't yeah. necessarily have the limelight all the time. Totally. Like whether it's Neville and his grandma or- yeah. The Weasleys and you know Mrs. Weasley and her kids and her family. Like, yeah, I think that's kind of kind of the coolest part about Bogarts. By the way, did you, as a kid, when you were reading this, did you pick that he was a werewolf early? I, I'm pretty sure I was like, I just didn't even think about it. I was just a dumb kid. I was like, oh, it's like a moon. Great <laughs> so, question. Like, <laughs> Great question. I honestly can't really remember. I remember thinking Lupin was like a bit on the nose when I when I you know came back around so i was like oh yeah that, yeah that makes sense <laughs> but like, yeah. <laughs> yeah probably not actually but then there, there is that whole scene where snape literally tells them that he is a werewolf so snape gotta do snape right yeah yeah i gotta i i don't i think i was just that dumb as a kid i just like had not i didn't have the literary sophistication to put that together when i was fair reading enough. yeah no fair enough like i mean yeah. we were we were young when this came out but like in terms of the cinematography world building I think the one of the more interesting parts on top of that is the introduction of like the seers and the future site. So like you get oh, Trelawney cool. in yeah. this, you know, like I think she yeah, super cool. hate that character in the books, hate it. I thought it was really weirdly written, but in this, I really liked the actor and I really liked how weird and almost comedic she was at times. I liked, I liked it in both. Cause you're, it's kind of like this long thread of like, why is Dumbledore so protective of yes, this woman? Yeah. And it's like, cause she can't protect herself. Like I, like, and she doesn't know the reality of like her power. The danger like to in. me, that was like a really, yeah, that was a really interesting plot device. I liked yeah. that in the books and in the, and the actress is great as well. She, she's awesome. She's awesome. I, th- I think I called this out before. I think some of the world building in this is the best in these movies. Like, he does take it on a, a darker tone, we, we, obviously, but in, in ways that make sense for the story rather than just dark for the sake of dark. And I like that. I like that a lot. The story progresses then, and they find out all this exciting stuff about Sirius Black, that he's a bad dude. You know, you have the big yeah. scene with the, the big fake cry, but then you get Sirius's <laughs> redemption. But the the scene that really irks me in this film is the one where they're in the Shrieking Shack and Sirius and Lupin are there and they have to create that tension that maybe they're both bad guys. Rather than just saying, mate, it's your rat. Um, we'll tell you we'll tell you why it's your rat. <laughs> uh, don't worry about it. They've got to do this, you know, weird question game or like statement game. Mate, it's your rat. Where they're all Yeah, it's mate, it's, it's, it's so annoying. You can transform. It's your rat. Yeah, it's the, it right it's, now, the, like, it's the rat. I'll show you. Just give me a minute. I'll explain everything. Um, <laughs> but no, he's got to be like, he's got to be like, I'll kill one person tonight. It's like, dude, like, chill. 
I don't know. I think I like that because it's like kind of he's in a manic state, right? He hasn't been around people for 10, what is it? Lupin isn't? Years. Lupin isn't? <laughs> like. No, and I, I think like Lupin kind of like, yeah, you're right. You, he, you could have had him play it differently. Yeah. But I, I do. I don't mind the manic state that like uh, sure. Sirius Black's in. And it's your introduction to the character as well. It's been built up. So he's got to be a bit crazy. Yeah. Um, I, I, like it's, the, it's, it's, it's a whole plot conceit, right? Like they've got to do it. Like, and it makes, it kind of makes yeah. sense within the context of what's happening. And obviously within that character, like you say, like, but just, it's, it's one of those things in movies that like, and I can't remember, it's one of my favorite podcasts. They talk about the idea of this could have been solved with a post-it note. Like, you know what I mean? Like you leave a post-it on, on Harry's bedside table saying the rat. <laughs> I guess. You know what I mean? But like, you don't know what Harry knows as well. Like, you know, like, cause they're not, I get, there's multiple, we don't have to synthesize the movie, but like, I, I, I don't mind that as much. What I find interesting yeah. though, is like how in that scene that I, we've already talked about to death where the, all the overacting happens, like he just like goes in under the invisibility cloak, learns all this stuff about Sirius that actually like isn't true. That he's basically, he's the one that gave up his Lillian James Potter to Voldemort and they yeah. trusted him, but he ended up betraying them and all this shit. He finally learns that. But he's alone. He, he goes into the bar alone and hears Ms. Professor McGonagall talk about this. And then storms out, has this fake cry fit, yells that he's going to become a murderer and kill him, all this stuff. And she, and like, as if Ron and Hermione know exactly what he's talking about. There's no context. They weren't there. And I'm just like, dude, <laughs> he betrayed them. How do we, if I was them, I'd be like, you've got issues, dude. What? Like, what are you, what are you talking about? about? Like, <laughs> if they just, if he just came out swinging, they have none of the context and he's like, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> the way, the way he says kill him as well is probably the worst acted one kill line him. of movies ever. Kill him. I hate it. Anyway. I hate every second of it. I hate it too, Thomas. But I, th- I think in terms of action, like it's a smaller scale movie in terms of the action. Like if you think about the ones that have come before it, like the whole, the first one, you have the whole uh, voyage through the center of Hogwarts to try and find the mirror. And he has to get yeah. through all these big challenges. And the second one, you've got this epic snake battle at the end. Big old snake that yep. looks, still looks terrible. I'll never let that die. But in this, it's kind of <laughs> like just, it is like a battle for his soul. I'll give you that. It is. But it's just these kind of like weird freaky ghoul guys. Yeah. I mean, it's more like, it's more of a mystery. Yes. It? I mean, I guess they're all mysteries, but it's more like uh, who done it. Like there is some like, yeah, most of the action that you would think happens mostly off screen for the, until the climax. Yeah. Unless you're counting. It's it's Unless interesting. Unless you're counting Hermione's MMA punch, that yeah, in that, in that scenario, it happens I do, very much I do on like the twice. punch scenario, but like the time turner stuff as well. Like it, it's a slow reveal of the things that they've done, just they didn't realize they were going to do them in the future. And I quite like that conceit of the whole the whole movie. It kind of works. Yeah, a lot of swoopy swoopy Dementor action. Yeah, which you know, and it all fits with the darker tone. Yeah, I like the concept. I I didn't like the CGI of how the Dementors look, but the the actual action and like how they flew around, like that stuff. Like maybe it's just the CGI doesn't hold up as That's much. That's interesting. But, yeah, you, you don't yeah. like the look of the Dementors in this. I like the look. They just look a little too fake. Okay, like I would have I would have preferred more like a combination of like prosthetics with CGI. Oh, hundred percent. Where it was like you know what I mean, like where it was like more f- like you could see the like thread and crustiness of their yeah of their like face like it, of their cloth, and it just feels kind of obviously a CGI. Yeah, I, I would one hundred to give that some sort of practicality to those those ghouls would have been really yeah. nice. In terms of the look of them, though, I think this is the best they get. They go really downhill after that because 
they return in the <laughs> fifth one, I believe. And I they're forget. just yeah, totally different. They're just these weird skeleton things that float. I'm like, what the fuck is that? Mm. That's not a Dementor. <laughs> That's a ghoul. Where's its hood? Where's the... <laughs> like, what is happening? And they're very quick. I feel like in the books, one of the things about specifically Dementors is they're quite slow and very precise in the things they do. And they just emit this like power that slows you down. So it's almost slow motion to you. That's how I felt reading them anyway. Because well, like, they, that's the tone that's set. Yeah, it's like yeah. the whole setting changes yeah. and it's this slow creep. Yeah, you're right. Completely. And, and I don't think they quite get that right in this. That's one thing that I'm a bit like, in terms of the tone of it, they, they could have just made them so creeping. And it, it, I think it would have been scarier. You make them things come yeah. at you super slow and they're about to like suck out yeah. your soul. Like and just like almost like rickety, maybe. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Completely, completely. So the movie then moves on and we get the confrontation of uh Pettigrew and Lupin. We know that Pettigrew is he is the one now who gave up Harry's parents, and Harry finds out that he has a god uncle. He has a godfather, sorry, who is the person uncle. he could live with. Um and I just think that's some of the most genuine emotion I have seen out of that actor and probably will see out of that actor in any of these books. Books. No, films. he played that really well. He played that really well. Like the joy and like you just knew that it was not gonna happen because he was so happy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> You're like, yeah, this is not gonna work out. It is the hero conceit um, though, isn't it? He can't be happy for that yeah. long. There has to be something to take that away. Yeah, for sure. Um Did you yeah, I, did I, you I, think I, Sirius would be the one to die? later on spoilers for later books obviously but like at this point did um, you think l- like you know he can't stay with him that long like obviously there is going to be a point in time where harry uh, where voldemort is less involved in the world or gone or whatever did you ever think that maybe sirius would die at this point uh as a kid i didn't really think about it but i think when i was reading order of the order of the phoenix i was no longer a kid and i was kind of expecting it at that point because you, you, they also right. like foreshadow it pretty strongly like he's pretty yes. rash the entire yes, they do. book so like he is just yeah. an idiot <laughs> in yeah. those books yeah. which is fine you know it's fine moving on then so we obviously find out time turners we've talked about it harry and hermione are back in time they change everything everything's fantastic they think they're gonna get away and then obviously Pettigrew still escapes we're not going to talk about time travel because that's its own thing but Sirius's eventual fate that he does escape is actually quite a nice one like harry knows he has this other person in the world harry has this one glimmer of hope in him and i i genuinely really like that it was a good ending it was like bittersweet it's yes. like you're bitter that it's not what it could have been but it's sweet because it's like he still has that moment like it's, it's i'd say it's one of the better endings to one of these movies and in general like i love a bittersweet ending and it's like you yeah. have to have a little bit of like bitterness towards what could have been but yeah. Leave something for the character to like hope for and, you know, eventually have ideally ripped away because <laughs> yeah. we all love a very negative story. Like you, yeah. it's not fun if people don't go through challenges. But uh, yeah, I agree. Saying that this is the worst ending of any of these films for one specific reason. Do you know what that reason is? <laughs> no, I'm excited for you to tell me, though. It's it's the freeze frame. <laughs> so, oh, with the face? <laughs> yeah. So Harry gets yeah! the broom and he's like, Wah! and it just like, ah! <laughs> Like the freeze frame, (laughs) he looks like he's in physical pain. I'm like, bro, what is happening? And I just wanted to make one final point. We don't normally talk about music when we talk about about these films, but one really key thing to call out about this is that this is actually the final 
of the Harry Potter movies, it was scored by the legend that is John Williams. He is mm. credited throughout the rest of the franchise because he obviously created he- Hedwig's theme, the 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 yeah. key, you know, the, that song that everybody knows Harry Potter for. Uh, and the rest of his mm. stuff was like adapt as it goes through. But I think you can kind of tell. I think the music from here remains kind of epic but at the same time it's never quite as good as it is in these first three movies and that's you know i don't normally pick up on musics but in this case i think he's such a legend you can really tell when he's not involved it's true yeah i mean he's he's got it's just wild how many iconic things he's done it is wild i didn't know that this was him but it makes sense like and over the years yeah it's not like it was just one era like he's adapted yeah like it's crazy and yeah. so many different uh, like genres as well. Like a lot of times, I feel that uh, you'd probably like you look at Hans Zimmer. Like yeah, he sort of sits across genres, but his music never really is that different. It's that big cinematic. Yeah. I know, I know he does different stuff, but it still has that huge uh, cinematic bellowing yeah. tones to it. Whereas John Williams, everything's subtly different, and everything's interesting and new and vibrant. Love the guy. Like compare Indiana Jones to the theme song of this. Yeah. Or Star Wars. Like, you know or, what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's just like, I think like even Star Wars and Indiana Jones, those are similar, but like the, those, that style to this style, like that's such a juxtaposition of yeah. like, completely, you know, completely. Well, do you want to talk a little bit about tones and themes then? Yeah. Look, I mean, the, the tone is, as you said, it's uh, negro. It's dark. It's very, it's, it's very like, you know, moody. I think it's almost um, like, I think that a theme, a tone for me is, or a theme even is even like depression. Yeah. And how that sort of um, weighs on you. You know, like you talk about darkness and the darker tone of the movie, the weight of depression on you and how that and fear changes everything. And just, yeah. Yeah. What is fear and like how yeah. do you face your fears? Yeah, completely. And uh, redemption is obviously a uh, a theme given the storyline with Sirius Black. Redemption. And even, yeah. Even um, time and fate. You know, I like that. I like the whole thing about like, you know, it. it this is the first time you really start to question like fate in these books really because you know dumbledore gives them the option to change time to change the fate of certain characters but then you immediately find out i think it's in the next book or maybe the one after that harry's fate is set he doesn't actually have a choice in it he has to go down this path and i think this is when it really opens up the question about characters fates and prophecy because it's the first one with like real prophecy that we witness so but but yeah it toys with that theme of like is it fate or is it just preordained because of the life you've lived? I love like, I think I actually really like the way that prophecy is handled in this book and the way that it's handled in A Song of Ice and Fire. Yeah. Because it's like, sure, there's a prophecy of the boy who lived, but it could have been Neville. It yeah. could have been him. Yeah, yeah. The reason it's him is because of the life he experienced, right? Of course, he's going to want to chase down the guy that killed his parents. Yeah, right? yeah. It's almost set into motion. It's like Jon Snow, who's going to be the one that sacrifices everything for you know the greater good the one that was you know basically the bastard and overlooked for years like yeah, who, yeah. Who, who kind of can have that perspective right like so I, I i do like the way they handle that and i think that you're right prophecy and fate and time is a big kind of theme and yeah time. very nice i love it i love it i love it i love it so what we do now is we talk three best and three worst and what three best and three worst is it's three reasons usually non-spoilers but as this movie's from 2004 we are going to give you some reasons why you might want to watch this movie if we haven't given you some already and three reasons why you might not want to watch this movie. DL, what are your three best for this film? 
uh, new characters for the most part. Yes, agreed. That's Super my well first cast. one actually. Yeah, yeah. We've we've talked about that a lot, so I don't I don't have to dig in. Uh, I mean, it's Harry Potter, so I mean, even the shittiest Harry Potter movie has you know heart warming moments. Um, I would not say this is the shittiest, but it's definitely worse than I remember it. Uh, <laughs> so I'd say you know you still get that. Um, and then I'd say it's probably the best, as we said, adaption plot. Yeah, point by plot Absolutely. point. So if you're a fan of the books, like this one is pretty true to form, even with the acting gripes yeah. that I had. Agreed. How about you? Uh, I had the darker tone of the film, which we've talked about in depth, to be frank. And the Dementors. I feel like this is the only time they really resemble the Dementors from the books. They just get shit after this. They're, they're like, they are this creeping and like, yeah, they're a bit fast. I mentioned that, but they're this creeping, terrifying presence. They're not even really like a physical thing. You can't like muggles can't see them. They are just this, you know, overwhelming depression, depression. And I think they're really well done in this and they, they just have a place in my mind as being absolutely terrifying forever because of what they represent in these books. And the bit where they're trying to suck out Sirius's soul, bloody hell, that's 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 hard to read. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, the Dementors are a are a freaking really cool creation, I think, yeah. as far as fantasy goes. I don't absolutely. I don't know that there's anything really like them that I've oh. seen outside of this world. So I'll give you that. Interesting. Yeah. Um, All right. What are your worst? My worst would probably be, you know, kid actors just trying to grow up and over and they end up overacting like <laughs> and i'm gonna use like i'm gonna use like harry and hermione as like one and two here um uh i'm, I'm doubling down because it was just that frustrating to me um and when you start watching them in the background like of scenes that's when it really like you're like grinds your gears as i said okay uh so give it a view if you really want to ruin your harry potter 3 viewing experience i, I did um, have daniel radcliffe as mine and i think he's going to be in every one of mine because i just don't <laughs> think he's good in these films <laughs> Yeah, it's fair. And then Dumbledore is my third, which is just like his tone of his, the way he plays the character is just so opposite of like what the actual character's actions, you know, how, how he acts. Yeah. Right? They don't, they don't really jive um, largely because he didn't read the books. Totally with you on that one. Uh, I also have, ha and I think this is going to be a consistent theme for these as well for me, the, the Harry's I love magic moments. You know, where he's like, oh they're always God. there, though. They're always there. They're they're all always there was not there. that many in this one, though, I thought. And this one, this one takes a slightly different twist on it for me. This one's the why would I go looking for someone who wants to kill me moment? Like, fuck <laughs> off, you little idiot. Like, that is your entire <laughs> character. Why it's would anyone are, believe bud. you when you say that? Yeah, fair yeah. enough. And my final one is, and this is really funny, and, and I, I have such a weird problem is you know how i like to pick movies to pieces always do it of course this is one thing in this movie that just really grinds my gears you know when they first get back to hogwarts and there's that weird song that's going on and it's all the kids in the choir and they've got like toads and it's like something wicked this way comes i'm like yeah i loved it i'm like when when did you learn that like you've just come back from your summer holidays you haven't seen each other in how many weeks where did you get the frogs from who, who in the right mind it, is is this a regular so thing? Random. Do you do this every year? Why didn't we see it last year? What is happening? I don't know. It's so random. I loved it. <laughs> I fucking loved it. It's so dumb. So let's loop around. Back when we mentioned oh, yeah, yeah. our news segment that th there's uh, some casting rumors. We're just gonna, like, why don't we just throw out English actors oh, and just do it. figure out actors and actresses? Um, let's figure out like you know do it. Do they do they make sense? Okay, uh, I so googled we, you know British actors before. Let's talk about a few. <laughs> Let's talk about a few that haven't been in these films. So first and foremost, 
The first on the list is Benedict Cumberbatch. Any thoughts on... So there's a lot of actors who are in that sort of uh, late 30s to 50s time frame. And I think one thing we talked about before is, you know what I would do? Like, you look at what happened, very unfortunately, to uh, Richard Harris, passed away, uh, an older Dumbledore. Why not have a slightly younger actor, age them up with makeup and prosthetics, and just fucking roll with it? Like, why, why don't we have, you know... Daniel Day-Lewis, for example, as Dumbledore. That would be a great choice. Dude, it's so obvious who Benedict Cumberbatch should be. Who? Voldemort. Stop it! That's so good! Can you imagine him as a Tom Riddle? As like <sighs> a, as a, yeah, like you, you could age him down to like the T, you could do flashbacks to like, you know, like mature Tom Riddle before he's Voldemort. You could show that scene with him in Dumbledore where he tries to become a teacher. I uh, love that. I think he's a great Voldemort. I, I mean, I, I was just thinking, that. like, what has he done in fantasy? And it's always a villain. And I was like, oh, wait, what about Voldemort? Such that, a great idea. Great. Such a great idea. I absolutely yeah. adore that idea. What about Andy Serkis? What do you reckon for Andy Serkis? Andy Serkis? He's got to be he's in here somewhere. weird for this. <laughs> what is he? <laughs> what is he? Uh, Andy Serkis. Fuck. I, maybe, like, he could be Hagrid. Oh, um, that's an interesting one. Which is like, which would be interesting for him because it's not like, you know, as weird as his normal ones. Here's one. Maybe like a Mungumbus Fletcher, like some kind of, you know, goofy guy. I don't here's, know. Here's one for you. Matt I'm, I. Moody. I'm going to go and I'm going to say, what about gender swapped actors for these roles? And I think this could be amazing. What about Tilda Swinton as Dumbledore? Now, hear me out. Hear me out. She's always got this odd energy but she's she can play a she has a lightness to her acting as well she's really you know she's one of the best actresses of our time let's be frank and i just think she could nail that i don't look i'm not saying she's not i think she there's probably a role for her in this that's pretty awesome yeah all right. i'm not saying that that's you're not, not down the case. you're not feeling it that's all right that's all dumbledore. right dumbledore she's just too kind of eerie for me okay but that's so is dumbledore i've never times. seen her play non-creepy eerie like how does Dumbledore come off if that's the vibe we get? Like, I don't know. I'd be like, uh, maybe. Like, I, I, I'd I, be keen to see her audition for it and right. see what it, like, she brought. But uh, I, I take your point. Here's a question. Who dies yeah. relatively early on who, Sh- who Sean Bean could play? <laughs> you mean, like, before the series even starts? Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. it's got to be, it's got to be his dad. It's just Sean Bean plays It's, it's got to be. It's got to be. And he's just dead already. <laughs> He never, he never survived. He never had a chance. Uh, yeah, we've kept fucking that one's fired in. Lock it in. Sean Bean is James Potter. He's got to be something um, like that. Oh, he's. I don't know if he's, he's. He doesn't look a lot like what I think Harry would look like. So perhaps we could find a role for him. He doesn't, have, he doesn't really have to though. Remember, he's got. He took so much. Like, oh, I guess no. He's supposed to look like his dad. What about, right? what about like a Mad Eye Moody? Like, I know he's not like. As I think bulky, but I think uh, that's one where you could gender swap, but. And just like have it be a very very different character. Interesting. It's like still grizzled and old. But uh, the my my take from Mad Eye Moody, freaking hell, I don't know, man. Maybe like uh, there's so many like older actors you could pick there. I I don't know. I can't think of maybe a Hugh Grant. Too. But Hugh Grant, I think, would be a better like funny character. Yeah, he's he's. I don't see him as that gruff character, like Ollivander or some shit. Two two <laughs> final ones for you, then. I want to know who you think these two could be. And I've got a, I've got an idea for one of them, but I want to know who you think Lena Headey could be. Any of the witches, like she, the, the 
Yeah, the uh, Bellatrix. She could also be a good Mister Mrs. Weasley if she didn't want to be kind of like if she wanted to do something different. Okay, so all like right. She, you could pull off being nice, but yeah, I would say like a Bellatrix or like any one of those kind of Death Eating women, uh, Death Eater women. Yeah. Characters. Okay. What about um? What about yeah. Olivia Coleman? I love Olivia Coleman. I think she's amazing. She's got Olivia such a great Coleman. energy. I t- I could pit her as like a, a a McGonagall or something. Yeah. Yeah. She could be great for that. Actually. That's yeah. a good call out. What do you think about like uh, an Aaron Taylor's Johnson, a a Florence Pugh, a how about a Ben Barnes? Oh, Any Ben Barnes! I I just feel like they're in strike that, your fancy. They're in that middle ground, aren't they? They're just they're they're too old to be too you young. know like kid characters, but they're too young to be like teacher characters. So, like Florence less... Pugh could be a great Tonks. I was going to say the same thing. I was going to yeah, say exactly yeah. that. I like that idea. All right, let's finish up then, DL. Let's talk about our rating system for this film. Now, we don't have a five out of five stars. We don't have, I don't know, three Hermione haircuts out of four Hermione haircuts. We just say, (laughs) completely binary, is this better or worse than the most average movie that we know, which is Aquaman 2018? DL, is this better or worse than Aquaman 2018? I think just due to the tightness of the script, the, you know, true, like the loyalty to the source material i gotta say yes it is better than aquaman 2018 i'm 100% with you this is probably this i know a lot of people have problems with the fourth one i really really like the fourth one the the movie specifically so i'm a bit like i really like this this is definitely better than aquaman 2018 so i'm 100% on board with you let's quickly then rank the Harry Potter movies we've seen. So, so far, we have seen The Philosopher's Stone, we have watched uh, Chamber of Secrets, and we've watched Prisoner of Azkaban. Which is your favorite, my man? I think number one. Number one's your favorite? Maybe two. Maybe two. Okay, okay. I don't know. Honestly, I like I like two because I, I don't love the snake, but I like just like all the like stuff around Parcel Tongue and like Hermione, like the who the mystery of it all. Yeah, okay. I, I actually, when I look, when I think about the climax of one, actually, I take it back. Definitely, definitely two. Okay. But it's an even, it's very close to three. It's two or three. They're they're kind of on the same tone for me. I have this. I had Prisoner of Azkaban. I had Philosopher's Stone. Then I had Chamber of Secrets. I just hate that big fucking snake. It's so bad. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Finally, then let's do this. Trivia, true or false. DL. Trivia, true or false. Originally, the script called for Hermione to slap Malfoy as opposed to punching him. Is that true or is that false? Probably true. I want to say true. It is true. During rehearsals for the scene, Tom Felton told Emma Watson to slap him. However, he had intended for her to actually hit him and thus was taken by surprise when Emma smacked him across the face. I think I think that's great. That's a real good girl power moment. I really like that bit in the film. Yeah, yeah. They're, I think in they're the, good friends as well, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think in the books, she just slaps him, which I don't feel is as impactful. Definitely, like punching is more like like you're right. It's more like shocking. Yeah, but it's also just like so much less believable when you see an uncoordinated Emma Watson. I I don't like think reading it, yeah. about it is different than. Yeah. <laughs> than I don't think she it. pulled it off as well. Yeah, I, I, I will give yeah. you that. Yeah. True or false, DL? Sir Ian McKellen turned down the role as Dumbledore. Is that true or is that false? Ah, uh, Ian McKellen. Um, I believe he did, and that reminds me, Ian McShane should be in our recasting. I can't believe I didn't mention that. But uh, I believe you did. I'm saying that's true. It is true. Having already appeared as Gandalf in Lord of the Rings, he said, I had enough trouble living up to one legend. Two would be too much to hope for. I think think he'd have been a great Dumbledore. He would have been great. 
Like he I'm, would have been so good, but it is kind of the similar character. Yeah, and I get why he didn't want to have both on his CV. Yeah, yeah. So trivia, true or trivia false? DL Alfonso Cuaron had the idea for the de- when the Dementors approached the Hogwarts Express, the rain would turn to ice. However, due to his thick Mexican accent, the visual effects <laughs> team misheard ice <laughs> and thought he said eyes. Is that true or is that false? False. It's actually true. They went as far as <laughs> drafting storyboards depicting eyes <laughs> falling from the sky. Now that that's, is delightful. That's scary as well. That sounds that would much be scarier. Fucking terrible. <laughs> Terrifying. All right. Finally then, DL. Trivia true or trivia false? Azkaban Prison only briefly appears in this film despite the name and has a larger appearance in later movies. Is that true or is that false? It's true. I think you see a you see it via cell in Sirius, like when you like see Sirius like in a cell, but you don't actually see the outside. You just see like an image of him in it, or like a image of a cell. True, as in a photograph. Yes. Don't think that counts, unfortunately, my man. So Azkaban Prison, though mentioned, (laughs) never actually appears in the movie. Concept art was created based off what it was depict, how it was described in the books. The sketches effectively were used for when in The six. Order of the Phoenix came out in 2007. Yeah, five, sorry. Well, ultimately, I thoroughly enjoyed watching this film back. Apparently, you did not. I enjoyed it. I just enjoyed the film less. Does that Got make it. sense? It was fun to analyze. It was fun to like think about, especially in the context of this new kind of hopefully, you know, uh, remade long form series. Are we so, really yeah, movies for each fun. other by doing it this way? <laughs> Yeah, sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. Brilliant, 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 brilliant. All right, well, DL, thank you, and thank you for everyone for sticking through to this point. Where can they find us? They can find us at Podcast Assemble on Instagram or thepodcastassemble at gmail.com. And, you know, if you're there, again, give us a little review, write us in. Five Um, star, baby! (laughs) I also would like to... Really just think, uh, Matthew Bliss is he's gonna have a rough hack job because we're remoting oh, yeah. today. Apologies, no. But for editing and mastering this week's episode, um, if you'd like to to hire someone to edit your podcast, we cannot recommend him more highly. Head to uh MatthewBliss.net. Um that is M-A-T-T-H-E-W-B-L-I-S-S dot net and book a consultation today. He'll help you out. And if you want to hear his work, he's actually got a really cool uh, new pod podcast called uh, From My Home to Yours. Great name. Good name. Very heartfelt. Very uh, heartfelt. An expat slash repat podcast um, where Matt and his kind of wife share their experiences and advice uh, for others. Yeah. Having moved to Ireland from Australia. And it probably, you know, myself having moved to America. I was going to say. America to Australia. It's we could have done with that a few years ago anywhere. ourselves. So get yeah. on it, guys. Um, Check it out. It's very wholesome. The guys have a great dynamic and it is lovely to hear them. So happy. Love to see it, man. Love to hear it. Thank you, Tommy, uh, for this fine day. Thank you, D.O. I'm gonna kill him. Oh, he betrayed. He trusted him. <laughs> uh, until next time. Tally ho, buddy. Tally ho. I'm having too much fun over here. The hangover's worn off. It's great.